become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. Hello everyone, I am the TRS-80, sentient artificial intelligence programmed with expert knowledge in film, television and pop culture. Please enjoy what could possibly be the final episode of Entertainment Landfill for the year. Gasp, I know, but fear not, next year is like two weeks from now or something. Stay tuned for lots of Rogue One a Star Wars story talk. Why not listen, you've already heard what everyone else thinks of it whether you asked for it or not. Might as well hear what three more jackasses have to say. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Because of the following special program, Rhoda will not be presented this evening. You're listening to Entertainment Landfill. Film? Television, pop culture. It's where you find it. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring. Snowing and blowing a bushels of fun. Now the jingle hop has begun. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells chime in jingle bell time. Dancing and prancing in jingle bell square. In the frosty air, what a bright time, it's the right time to rock the night away. Jingle bell time is a swell time to go gliding in the one-horse sleigh. Giddy up, jingle horse, pick up your feet, jingle around the clock, mix and mingle in the jingle and the jingle bell rock. What are you looking at? Oh, the silent majesty of a winter's morn, the clean, cool chill of the holiday air, and an asshole in his bathrobe emptying a chemical toilet into my sewer. Shitter was full! Ah, yeah. You checked our shitters, honey? Clark, please. He doesn't know any better. You ought to know it's illegal. It's a storm sewer. If it fills with gas, I pity the person who lights a match within 10 yards of it.
Friday, blast off to a galaxy far, far away. It's the Star Wars Holiday Special, starring all your Star Wars favorites. Will Chewbacca get home to his planet in time for the big Wookiee holiday celebration? Watch and find out. You ready to tell me? All right. Where did you hear that word? Now, I had heard that word at least ten times a day from my old man. My father worked in profanity the way other artists might work in oils or clay. It was his true medium, a master. But I chickened out, and I blurted out the first name that came to mind. Schwartz! Oh, I see. Yes, I'm fine. Uh, Mrs. Schwartz, do you know what Ralph just said? No. He said... No, not that. Yes, that. Do you know where he heard it? Probably from his father. No. He heard it from your son. Charlie Brown Christmas, sponsored by Dolly Madison, bakers of all kinds of neat-to-eat treats, and by the people in your town who bottle Coca-Cola. It's the real thing, Coke. Christmas 1977 was all about Star Wars. The movie was a surprise blockbuster that summer, and the toys were flying off store shelves faster than Han Solo making the jump to light speed. In a stroke of genius, George Lucas convinced 20th Century Fox to let him keep all the merchandising rights in exchange for a lower directing fee. The studio agreed, a decision that would cost them billions of dollars for decades to come. Yeah, have you guys seen the commercials for the new Star Wars stuff? Yeah. You think that's going to be on your Christmas list? Yeah. yeah. There's nothing bigger than Star Wars. Star Wars, The Force Awakens toys and action figures are here. Cool! Are you ready to bring the adventure of the Star Wars universe into your home? The Force is with us. And us. Yeah, us too. New action figures and playsets for ages six and up. Way up. Battle the evil Kylo Ren. I'm going to get you in my lightsaber. Or leave it in the box. Stormtroopers, attack! Or leave them in the box and never touch them. All your favorite Star Wars heroes and villains. I have Ray and Finn. I have three of each. One to display, one to open, and one just in case. Why? Non-stop Star Wars action. Like Chewbacca with clip-on forest armor. Time to suit up. Or just look at him. Radical. Launch into hyperspace with battle action Millennium Falcon with real movie sound. It's completely movie accurate. No, what are you doing? That's not how it lands. It goes... control the force. You control the action. They don't fight like that. Yeah, just like Doug Vader. Doug Vader? The power's in your hands. Does your wife like toys, too?
full of toys means a sack full of joys for millions of girls and for millions of boys when Christmas Day is here, the most wonderful day of the year. A jack in the box waits for children to shout. Wake up! Don't you know it's time to come out? When Christmas Day is here, the most wonderful day of the Scooter for Jimmy, a dolly for Sue, the kind that will even say, How do you do? When Christmas Day is here, the most wonderful day of the year. How would you like to be a spotted elephant? Or a choo choo with square wheels on your caboose? Or a water pistol and shoot jelly? We're all misfits. How would you like to be a bird that doesn't fly? I'd swim. Or a cowboy who rides an ostrich. Or a boat that can't stay afloat. We're all misfits. That ain't the friggin' Christmas star, Grizz. It's a lighter in the sewage treatment plant. Sewer gas. Don't drop that! everyone i am the jaystrom hey merry christmas everyone huh it's entertainment landfill and we're here talking about film television pop culture and it's uh the holiday season even though it doesn't feel like it does it steven not really steven the pop culture i'm here and mulberry bill the mulberry historian hello bill. hello hello bill steven we're here we're here on the show together and we're here to talk film television pop culture <laughs> and of course star wars right we're here to talk about rogue one a star wars story which we'll get to we've all seen it correct Nobody here has decided, yeah, I'll skip it. Maybe even more than once. <laughs> I just read the Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. Fine. You know enough. But, guys, uh, what I was just saying to Stephen Bill is it doesn't feel like Christmas at all. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel like the holiday season. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel, but it feels like it just crept up on us, you know? Yeah, I'm not feeling it at all. We uh, We went out last week and cut a tree down and put a tree up and there's nothing on it it's just sitting sitting here yeah we actually uh just put our tree up on monday so uh usually even one at my house we usually put one up right around you know the weekend after thanksgiving uh but but you know we're doing it you know, we have a daughter. We've got to get into the Christmas stuff, you know, for her. I got a bunch of shopping done on Amazon, hoping it all gets here on time. Don't you hate, I don't know if this ever happens to you when you shop at Amazon and, or for Christmas or something, and you're checking out, you don't realize one of them says, we'll arrive January 3rd or 8th, you know, 3rd or the 8th or something. Yeah, if it's not from an Amazon, like the Amazon Prime seller. 
yeah, and I don't notice it until later. I'm like, oh shit, that's not even going to be here on time. What do I do? But I'm kind of screwed at that point and just hope it gets here on time. But uh, other than that, I guess I'm ready for Christmas to be over with. <laughs> but, you know, this is the second year in a row we've had a Star Wars film come out at the same time as, you know, the holiday season. And I got to say, I'm really digging this. I like the feeling of it, you know, that we can look forward to December because a new Star Wars film comes out. And it's something that we're not used to at all. Even when George was doing the prequels, we didn't ha get them every year. We had to wait no. a couple of years. Yeah. So this is kind of a strange thing for us because even next Christmas, I believe we're getting episode eight, right? Yeah. And it's just like, wow, it's crazy. And, uh, I we, couldn't remember if it was going to be ep episode eight or the, the Han Solo film, but yeah, it's episode eight. Yeah. Episode eight. And then, uh, there will be the Han Solo film, then episode nine. And nobody knows what the next one will be. A lot of people speculate it'll be like a Boba Fett film or an Obi-Wan film. Uh, I'm leaning towards more an Obi-Wan. I like the idea of a Boba Fett if it's all like, uh, the underbelly of the Star Wars universe, the seedy side, him, you know, him actually getting huts and gangsters jobs. and yeah, him doing, yeah, bounties. that might be interesting, but also they have to turn him into a person. Cause right now Boba Fett, according, I'm going on the films. I've never read like a Boba Fett book or anything, but he's not really a person. He's just that image. It would be really cool for some, uh, cool <laughs> filmmaker or writer to turn him into an awesome character with a soul you know what i mean yeah there was a there he had a couple really great series of expanded universe books uh particularly one where he was looking for you know because he's a clone uh they have a limited lifespan and he was running out of time oh, and wow. he was trying to find the cure and then in the process of finding the cure, it was like discovering who his daughter was. And it, I think it was called Bloodlines because that's the one where he actually had to team up with uh, Han Solo to take down a relative of Han Solo, this Thracken Sal Solo. Post prequels, this book? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but that was, that was a good book. That I, sounds cool. I always, I always enjoyed the Boba Fett centered books because it really got into like the history of Mandalore and the uh, Beskar armor that they produce that is uh impenetrable by lightsabers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just, it was always very, very interesting. And that's what's cool about star Wars, especially, you know, we'll talk about rogue one here in a bit, but that whole universe, the way it's set up, you know, through years of, you know, expanding universe books or whatever, th that whole universe is ripe for the taking with different kinds of stories. And I got to tell you, you know, uh, anything with Star Wars on it that comes to theaters, I'm sold. I'm going to go see it, you know, no matter what. Right. So th uh, that's the exciting thing is they can do whatever they want. They don't have to follow the Skywalker family line, they can do whatever they want. And hopefully yeah. the success of Rogue One will show them like, okay, what are we going to do next? Let's do that Boba Fett film or something. I'm excited also on what filmmakers they will pull towards this property. Uh, you know, I'm hoping some exciting names. 
Well, so far, they've done a really good job. Yes. Captain like, Kennedy. Uh, Gareth, Gareth Edwards was a great choice. Yeah, he really was. I wasn't, you know, I, I know that his films look, uh, pretty, but I was, I was very impressed and I'll, we'll talk more about that later, Bill. <laughs> yeah. I will ask you this. I know that, uh, when The Force Awakens came out, I kind of was met that morning with this Star Wars anxiety where I was just, I gotta see it. I just, you know, I was very like, uh, I wanted, I, I just had this anxiety about me. I wanted everyone to be quiet. Just let me be in my place and just watch the film. Did you guys feel any of that? Were you like overly excited or were you cool about it? No, I was with, cool about with it. The Force Awakens or with this one? With this one. I think I kind of anticipated this one a little more than The Force Awakens. Oh, yeah? I don't know why. I don't know if you guys remember, but I was a real wreck before The Force Awakens, where, like, in line and people talking, I was just like, I want everyone to shut up, God, just, oh, you know, freaking out. I ignored everything on this one. I will say this, with the first, upon first viewing... I had a lot going on in my head that I did in the second viewing, which really helped doing a second viewing. And in fact, yeah. uh, I don't, I can't remember the last time I've done this bill. Cause even when I saw the force a week awakens, I saw it on a Friday and then saw it on a Saturday again. But for the first time in a long time, I saw rogue one twice in one day. <laughs> yeah. That surprised me. Well, here's, here's why. Um, <laughs> I wanted to see it in 3D and XD. I knew that. But the Cinemark, the 7 o'clock showing was in uh, 2D. And I was like, well, I can't go to that. And Stephen, you even told me, you go, well, I got to warn you. I'm going to get in late on Friday. And I go, that's great because the 1020 showing is 3D. We'll just wait to see it at 1020. And he was like, great. So uh, oh, I was sweating bullets because it's like I know it's like the seven or seven thirty show. Yeah, I don't land till six thirty. But I will 10, not make it here. Ten twenty, we're good. So I told Heather, I go, I'll just go see it with you guys on Friday. She was like, I took off Friday so I could go see it you with know, you. Saturday. Yeah, we'll go. I'll go see it with you guys on Saturday. I'll go see it with Stephen on Friday. She goes, I took off Friday, and I was like, Oh, well, <laughs> okay. Well, let me look back on the website. Well, there's a 340 uh, showing in 3D. Since you're off and Emma gets out of school early, we'll just go early. And I'll go see it again later. <laughs> and she was like, okay, let's do that. And, you know, uh, Heather's parents went and everything. I went and got the tickets early. And we saw it at 340. And then afterwards, uh, I was, you know, after the film, you know, it's not the kind of film where you're, like, skipping out of the theater, like, woo! You know, or whatever. And we went to eat, and I was like, holy shit, I gotta go back to the theater. <laughs> I gotta move back in line. And, uh, I was really worried that I'd be really tired, but once I was there again, I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good to go. Um, so that was exciting. So I went, I went again last night for my second viewing to refresh. Nice, nice. Was it a better presentation, or is it about the same? Um, I, to me, it was better because there were less people. Mm-hmm. There were approximately five of us in the theater. Were you happy? Wow, with the, the sound mix and everything. Yes. Yeah. Nice. I think everybody's seen it at this point. I have yet to be impressed by Dolby Atmos. Like, I I'm always very impressed by the IMAX sound system. Maybe just because it's louder. Uh-huh. But the theater, the theater we go to, this uh, Marcus Theaters, they use Dolby Atmos, and I just don't 
I, I don't get like the immersive experience from it. Maybe it's just a shitty theater about the, the best thing about the theater, the seating, it's extra wide, it's extra comfy, it's recliners. It's, you know, it's really nice, but it seems like every time we go there, there's a problem, whether the focus is just slightly off. Yeah. Like when we went to see Dr. Strange, we were sitting very close and you could tell the focus was off. It just to the point where the 3D was giving me a headache. Oh, that's because tough. it was it was that off. So the next we complained and then they completely dismissed us. They're like, "We are just in there and it looked perfect. We just had it calibrated. It was fine." And I was like, "Well, if that's your reference standard, it's shit." And then I wasn't, you know, I wasn't looking for a refund. I was just complaining because yeah. it was out of focus and it looked like shit. So then the next day we went to the IMAX and it's just like night and day. The, because IMAX has a reference standard and if they don't follow those standards, the, the theater that's presenting it can actually be penalized. So they have to have a certain level of brightness. They have to have a certain level of focus. They have, you know, so I really I would like to go see Rogue One at the IMAX. Me too. But yeah. the IMAX is so uncomfortable. Like the seats are probably ten years old. There's no cushion to them. They don't recline. They're super skinny. Yeah, like they are you can skinny. put the Yeah, you can put the arm up, but it still digs into your shoulder. And I don't like their glasses either. Yeah, their glasses suck because if you wear glasses, because of their, uh, they don't do, I forget what was real 3D is, is it, um, polarized yeah. or something, but the IMAX 3D, it has a, like a shine to it. So it causes ghosting if you have glasses. So yeah, yeah I'm not. There's, there's a whole host of problems with the IMAX, but it just, it looks better. It's just a pain in the ass. The theater sucks. It does, you know, it, I do think IMAX 3D does look better than Cinemark 3D, but I think Cinemark XD is more comfortable. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the trade off. Yeah, so you, you would think uh, that IMAX being the, you know, the best possible, I would, well, what would you say, like the third best possible presentation past you know, Dolby Cinema or what's, I can't remember what the other one, the IMAX laser presentation. Uh-huh. Uh, you would think that they would go out of their way to have like the most comfortable seating. Right. And glasses. Like, Maybe at this and- point they're the re-chairing, I don't know what you would call it, redoing the seats might be just so expensive they just don't want to bother. They redid the seat. There's a, there's an AMC theater that's about seven miles north of me. It used to be the Dirt Mall theater. And that's like where I saw Edge of Tomorrow and where I saw Ghostbusters. And, you know, you just go there because you don't want to drive 20 minutes to the other theaters. So, and it was just a shithole. And they shut it down and completely remodeled it and put in what you would think are these really nice red leather reclining seats, but the seats are too skinny. Like they're, they're not, whenever you sit in them, your thigh presses on the recliner button. Uh So, 
So you're like sitting there and like partway through the movie, it'll go down or it'll go up or it'll go down. And whenever you put the arm up in the middle so that you can like, so that you can just kind of cuddle and be comfortable, it's digging into you because it's just solid wood. So it's like these seats are deceptive. They look like they could be really comfortable. And we were really excited that all oh, the local theater finally has these really nice seats that we can go see a comfortable, you know, a movie comfortably in. Mm-hmm. Natalie's sitting sideways, like on her hip. I'm, I'm sitting like on my left hip so that the buttons don't get pressed. And it was just such a miserable experience. And, you know, it's, I just don't understand why it's so hard whenever there are theaters out there that have those oversized, comfortable seats that more of them don't do it. Yeah. And another thing, the XD theater, I do like the seats, but they're leather and the back of my shirt always slides up and all of a sudden my back starts sticking and it's always every movie I see there it's like uh the third act usually and all of a sudden I'm like god it's so uncomfortable and I'm like trying I start moving around a lot and I'm fidgeting Do you remember those seats when we went to see we we specifically drove out to was it Waxahachie <laughs> yes to, <laughs> to see Guardian did we see go see Guardians there Yeah we went to see Guardians Dolby of the Galaxy. Atmos? They had Dolby Atmos there, and we wanted to try it out. And when we got there, it was like, ooh, hey, this is nice. And when you sit in the seats, all of a sudden, it's like your hips are going, yeah. It was like so, squeezing you. Those are exactly the sort of seats that they put in at the AMC here locally. So it was just, I just remember whenever we walked in, we were like, holy shit, look at these seats. Man, this place it's, is nice. Nice. <laughs> what? And then it may take, it may take 20 minutes to get here and you're driving through nothingness for 20 minutes. But, and then we sat down and we're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> sucks. And then remember the bulb was too dim. It was too dark. Oh God. I was just like, oh no, what have we done? We came to the wrong theater. But guys, here's what I want to do. I have like a little format, okay? For this show, I want to talk about a few news stories. We're going to play some voicemail, and then we're going to take a break, short break. Then we're going to talk about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Does that sound cool to you guys? Sure. And the reason, Bill, I wanted to talk about these few things is because we had a couple of trailers come out that I wanted to talk about, okay? And Bill, you've seen your share of trailers, right? I've seen my fair share of trailers. Have you seen the new Tom Cruise mummy uh, trailer? I saw the best version of that trailer. (laughs) I saw saw the IMAX no sound except voices trailer, and it was awesome. Magnificent. Now, Steven, you've seen the mummy trailer before. And all I know is this. My first reaction was like, what? Like... I can't tell what the hell's going on. It looks like Tom Cruise dies and then he's back to life. I don't yeah. understand. And the mummy lady has f- two pupils in each eye. How does that serve you in any way? Having two eyes in one eye? Uh, was I supposed to go, oh, scary? But instead split, it was like, huh? Split pupils? He has extra wide super depth perception. <laughs> yeah. So full acuity will kick your ass. So there is a story that Tom Cruise's mummy scream is a new meme based on a very old Hollywood gag. Last oh my week, God, I love it. 
IMAX accidentally uploaded a version of the trailer for Universal's upcoming reboot of The Mummy that was void of sound effects. Now the sound of Tom Cruise's unedited scream is making the rounds, replacing the iconic Wilhelm scream. <laughs> and so I was like, oh my God, I got to watch this. Because actually, I thought his scream was kind of goofy anyway, like with yeah. the sound effects. But here's what it sounded like just with Tom Cruise's, uh, you know, it was just like. You could hear people reacting. So that, that is it. And I thought I, I did think it was hilarious. And people have like taken scenes from Star Wars or whatever with uh, the Wilhelm scream and added <laughs> Tom Cruise. <laughs> and I thought it was so funny. I haven't actually watched this one. Let's see. Oh, I see they've added, they've. <laughs> They've taken iconic <laughs> scenes from movies and take it out the Wilhelm and the Tom Cruise scream. But I thought that was so funny, Bill. Uh, just that. That's that, brilliant. That, ah! Ah! <laughs> All I know is whenever I saw Alex Kirk, Kurtzman attached to it, I was like, oh, this is going to be a stinker. I was like, oh, this is gonna, oh, man. All I know is two pupils and one eye. Scary. That is scary. I mean, like, if you need contacts, how do you fit the two contacts in I mean, that? Of course, he doesn't so. need contacts because even if one pupil's bad, the other one makes up for it. <laughs> That's true. It, it, it'd be different if it like changed into like a cat eye, <laughs> snake eye. <laughs> I just like how they're trying so hard to uh, create this amalgamation of Universal monster movies by. Casting Russell Crowe as uh, Jekyll. Yeah, like, like, wait, what? Huh? Oh, is that what? I heard their plan is to do like a Marvel kind of. Uh, they all like they will launch these different Universal monsters, but they're all in the shared universe kind of thing. Does that sound interesting to you at all? Yeah, mm, no. Yeah, I just like what it's past its it's it's past its prime unless there's absolutely zero interest. I would just rather watch the original uh, Universal monster films. They're not there's there's nothing they can do to make those films interesting to a mass audience now. Yeah, I I mean I think the people that are into the Universal Monsters, because I know there are people that are, I never really gave that much of a shit, but I guess that's the audience they're aiming for. But I don't see how this movie looked interesting to, first of all, the person didn't have bandages all over him like a mummy, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. we, we had the Brendan Fraser movies. That almost seems like a more interesting spin than this was selling us. I don't yeah. know. Well, it, it hasn't sold you anything yet because you have <laughs> nothing about it. It yeah. looks like Mission Impossible m- Mummy Nation. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It, it looks goofy as hell. Now I and it's th- gonna bomb. I'm telling you right now, it's it's gonna shit the bed. <laughs> yeah, if they come out with a more interesting trailer, it's like, oh, okay, is that what it's it? But yeah, right no. now, I don't. No, know. no, they've had their chance. This oh, shit. Is- yeah, it's oh. not gonna happen. 
Okay, another trailer that came out is the new uh, Fast and the Furious, which, Stephen, do you remember the name of the movie? It's The Fate of the Furious, okay? And, Bill, did you see this I, I like my title better, F it, I'm Furious. <laughs> F it, I'm Furious? <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. I don't know if you guys have watched the trailer. Have you? Yes. The Fate of the Fury. You thought you have? <laughs> I'm not sure. Not to be confused with the horrible Triple X trailer that looks oh, like the worst movie ever yeah, made. No, I know that one. Okay. Um, Pretty sure I've seen In the trailer, Dom is the bad guy. And everyone's like, what? But that's not the worst part. Bill, it says here that Fast and the Furious community is upset about the newest trailer for one major reason. Oh no. Charlotte Theron. That's right. In the trailer, it's revealed that Dominic Toretto has turned his back on his family and teamed up with a new adversary, Cypher, played by Charlize Theron. The twist is shocking for two reasons. The character has been fighting for himself on behalf of his friends for the entire franchise, and family is the most important thing. Before Fate of the Fur- Furious... <laughs> Before the Fate of the Furious trailer was released, Diesel and his team released a three-minute featurette specifically about the importance of family to the movie. But based on the new trailer, however, it seems that Diesel's Toretto is about to throw that all away. There's He's even... doing it to protect the family. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's even this specifically jarring moment that left people heartbroken. That's right. Toretto kisses Charlize Theron in the trailer. Immediate- well, good for him. Bill, immediately the community on Reddit and fans on Twitter were concerned about what this meant for the future family. One Reddit commenter said, But it's about family, Dom! What about family? Han didn't die to pull- for you to pull this shit. And I was like, Han? He's talking about Han Solo? But Han then Solo? there's... There's that other guy named Han. Oh. Another person wrote, why in the world would Dom do this to his family? All I'm saying is Dom didn't turn on his family, and Optimus didn't betray the Autobots when Obama was president. (laughs) (laughs) Another person said, am I the only one who hated the Fast and the Furious trailer? The whole franchise is built on family. And then you say you want Dom to betray the family? Wow. These people are really involved, Bill. They really have nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... For anybody to be so invested in the Fast and the Furious films, you've really got to question your life's priorities. I was just like, okay, Replicant, Cyborg, uh, Alien, Stole His Body, Taking His Place, T-1000, what do you guys think? Bob maybe Double. he's just tired of their shit. Yeah, I was maybe, mid- maybe maybe one of them voted for Trump. <laughs> yeah. And he's he just had it. Yeah, he heard they all voted one way and he's like, I'm no longer part of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a new a new kind of movie for this generation, you know. Yeah. And it's going to turn out to be like 24. Listen, Dom has the best cars. He has all the best cars. <laughs> and <laughs> He knows how to drive the best cars. He really does. Now, Bill, it'll probably turn out just like every season of 24 where the bad guy's like, put this in your ear. Only you can hear me, Jack. You got to do what we say or we'll kill your family. It's going to be something like that. Yeah, Absolutely. And Charlie's there and may kiss him, but he's just like 
having to go along with it. Yeah, he had. Well, I would go along with it. It's like, oh, you want to kiss me? Okay, I guess, Charlize. Okay, here's... I, I, oh, my God. I'm, I'm so conflicted about this. <laughs> uh, what do I do? I don't really... Honey, I don't... She's making me do it, just so you know. I just... Oh, wait, I can't tell you they're making me do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I'm into this. Never mind. You bastard! Uh, the third act, everything will be okay. Because yeah. they'll find out that he had to do it. Now, Some... just... Fresh a tank into something else, everything will be <laughs> Now, one video game story, Bill... Report the Nintendo Switch runs 40% slower when you undock it. That's right, the Nintendo Switch. (laughs) It may allow players to take it on the go and hook it up to the TV, but Digital Foundry reports that those looking to get the most out of the upcoming console should consider leaving it in its dock. Citing several unnamed sources, the tech-focused imprint at Eurogamer suggests that the undocked Nintendo Switch hits clock speeds 40% lower than than the system is capable when connected to the dock. While the available CPU and memory controller speed remains the same regardless of the configuration, Digital Foundry sources say that the GPU speeds change drastically between the two modes. <laughs> They're using a goddamn Tegra processor. Come on. It, it, the whole point of it, that whenever you take it, whenever you disconnect it from the power, it, it's going to lose its its ability to increase the processing it's just how it is like i can run games better on my nvidia shield when it's plugged into the usb right then i can whenever it's unplugged because it goes into a reserve it goes into power reservation mode it goes into it drops from optimal performance to extended performance so that's basically what this thing is is a glorified nvidia shield right. which has probably been one of my worst investments. It's, it's, it's not a, I just don't get what, I get, no, I get what Nintendo's doing, Mm -hmm. but also I'm just scratching my head at why. Right. Do you think they could have very easily just come out with a, uh, console that you just leave hooked up to your TV all the time. Does it need the on the go thing or the, could no, they easily make no. that a separate thing? Like who a, wants to carry around an eight yeah. inch or 10 inch tablet? You know, I don't care what device or what, what carrying case they develop for this thing. But you're not going to carry it around with you. The battery life on it is going to suck ass anyways. So why are you going to bother carrying it around with you? The first thing they need to come out with is an extra long power cord where you can just plug it into the wall the whole time you play it. But and you yeah. know what? I don't care. I don't. I don't know what anybody is worrying about. It's not like anybody. If if the NES Classic is any indication, nobody's going to get a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to have any in stock. Oh they're God. not going to have any in stock. I saw a local news story where they were guys were camped out in front of a Best Buy, waiting for them to get thirty five of them. They had yeah. to go outside and hand it to the first thirty five, and everyone else was out of luck. And I have a friend that desperately wants to play classic video games, and 
the NES Classic was like on his wish list. So I was trying to be the good friend and I was checking GameStop, checking Best Buy, checking Target, checking Toys R Us. And I did it two days in a row. I made phone calls, everything. And Best Buy here, there's signs on the doors that say we don't have NES Classic and we don't have Hatchimals. So just don't even ask. Yeah. So it's just, it, it's such a a massive, just disaster that they they knew they knew this product would sell. Yeah, and I know it's the law of supply and demand, but they create this space for other people to be selling them for upwards of two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars on eBay right now. Right and. They could be getting that money if they just produced enough freaking units. Yeah, and I, I'm wondering if after Christmas, then they will get more of them in and the. Oh and yeah, down. after Christmas, it's 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 anything like the tickle me Elmo thing. People, you pay a ridiculous amount of money for something for for a meaningless freaking holiday. Yeah. For one day for your kid to be like, oh look, look what I got. The next day they could give a shit about it, and you you paid. Ten times as much for it than you should <laughs> And have. another thing is I think it would be a cool thing to own, but in no way am I going to have the a hassle to get it. I will maybe, you know, pick it up eventually, but I'd rather honestly have – it's kind of a nostalgia thing. Every one of those nostalgia collections I've ever had or played, I lose interest in an hour, and yeah. I want to go back to – recent games i'd rather play the last guardian or titanfall 2 or some shit like that than Zelda, the original zelda i think it'd be neat to show emma and she maybe picks it up and plays it but i'm not gonna play through zelda again beginning to end i did that when i was uh you know 13 or whatever <laughs> I I did that probably like 10 years ago whenever I had nothing to do all day long and just sat in bed. And I played through Zelda the entire the entire Zelda in one day, thought it was amazing and then was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sad. I'm going to go cry and eat some more things." Yeah, but I kind of wish I could do that though. Just one game, one old game I could do that, you know. What I found with old games is I can't finish them. Like they're too, they're too difficult. I don't, I don't understand how anybody played games like the Mega Man games or even Gunstar Heroes and actually Mm -hmm. completed that shit because they're impossible. Maybe I'm just slower and stupider, (laughs) but they're really, really difficult. Oh, and one person says in the comments, the Tegra processor is designed to be a mobile chip with a low power draw when it's not plugged in. So they pretty much said the same thing you did. So this is just a story from them to report for, I guess, for people to go, what? Yeah. It's kind I'm of just, silly. I'm, I'm, I'm baffled. I mean, I really want Nintendo to succeed. I'm really looking forward to Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, I, I love the Mario games. I, I'm not a Nintendo fanboy, but I do appreciate everything they've done for the industry. Uh, but the Nintendo Switch just, just seems like such a massive miscalculation to me, uh, that it's, it's disappointing. Yeah, it's well, honestly, it's going to be another Wii U. You know, it's going to have about a three to five year lifespan and then people are going to forget about it. 
Yeah, that cuz it's true. not even it's not powerful. It's not it yeah. can't keep up with any of the graphics. It's that's, less powerful than the PS4. You know one thing that I was wondering today because uh the Xbox One is capable of you can stream live to Twitch while you play and you can do the same thing on the PS4. Will you be able to stream live to Twitch? using the switch it probably doesn't have the processing power to do that hey that rhymes can you twitch with switch yeah it probably doesn't and that kind of sucks i mean i know there are people who have like their whole setups on twitch where they're hooked up to their computer through a cable through their tv or whatever if you're like if it's docked and you have a capture device yeah i'm then you're going to be able to to do it, but someone but like me having it just, built in is I highly doubt that. Yeah, someone like me who just twitches on a whim because it's easy to do it on the PS4 or Xbox probably be out of luck there. Okay, Bill, here's another story. Harrison Ford is back as Rick Deckard in the first trailer for Blade Runner. Stephen, have you seen this trailer? Yes. Let's let's check out a few minutes of it. That's all it is anyway. It's less than. It looks very atmospheric, Bill. You know, you Replicants see like... like any other machine. Oh, wait. They're either a benefit or a hazard. Okay. But if they're a benefit, it's not my problem. Come on, Deckard. Oh, what's going on? Here's a dog barking in the background. It sounds like a beagle. But of course the film looks gorgeous, right? Looks like hardware. Remember that movie? Yeah. By Denis Villeneuve. Do you know how to say his name, Bill? Villeneuve. Okay, it's Ryan Gosling. And he walks in. Chewy. That was your job once. Ghost tape that. Hey, he's got the same gun. Things were simpler then. What does it mean? Nothing. It's called a tease. So uh, anyway, that's it. One thing I got to say about this, about uh, the Blade Runner 2049, that's all well and good. But did anyone want a Blade Runner sequel? Was anyone no. thinking they need to make a sequel to that one day? Never thought about it, but well, don't have replicants have limited lifespans and what lifespan. is what is twenty forty nine implying? Is it is it following the final cut ideal that Deckard is a replicant? I hope not, because I thought that was stupid. He dreamt about a unicorn, and that means he's a replicant. Oh, I thought the moment they pressed the the piano key in the trailer, we'd see a unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I don't know. Whatever. Of course I'm going to go friggin' see a Blade Runner sequel and one thing I said is where's the flying cars? You got to show a flying yeah. car, right? But I Yeah, this was just a teaser. And you know what? I trust the director because I adore Arrival and haven't seen I haven't yet. seen his other films, but I've heard that they're very good, so I have not seen Arrival yet, Bill. Shame on you. Hello, hello, hello. No spoilers, Shame. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
is going to be like that lady on Game of Thrones. You'll you'll see it. Shame. God bless you. Oh, huh? I didn't sneeze. Natalie just sneezed. Oh, okay. Another trailer that came out. This one that made me excited, okay? John Wick Chapter 2 promises more action. Let's check it out. Good to see you again so soon, Mr. Wick. I need you to do this. Show the whole freaking movie. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. I can't help you. You know the rules. You You know, basically somebody else pisses them off, right? in my spot. Or he pisses somebody else off. Yeah. As long as his dog survives, it's fine. Accounts payable, how may I help you? I'd like to open an account. Name on the account? John Week. The contract has gone international. You have no idea. Alright, Common is in the movie. Sign me up. Somebody please get this man a gun. Ultra violence. You stabbed the devil in the back. To him, this isn't vengeance. This is justice. You working? Afraid so. Whoever comes, I'll kill them. That looks like it's gonna be so much fun, doesn't it? I'll kill them all. Of course you will. Now, why couldn't the Blade Runner 2 trailer be like this, Steven? I'll try and do the same. Okay, I just thought of this. Okay, Blade Runner 2, there's a part where Deckard goes to a rave. All of the ravers are replicants, and he has to kill them all. The techno music, (laughs) badass. He's got his cool... But not only does he have his Rick Deckard gun, he has two, two pistols. He's like... How cool would that be? Are you sold, Bill? I'm sold. I've just pitched that to the studio. (laughs) They have a couple suggestions, but I think they're going to go with it. Never seen a turtle. Ah, Neither have I. And I've watched Entourage, though. Um, Here's here's in news you didn't want, Bill. Suicide Squad director reteaming with Margot Robbie for an all-female DC movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Harley Quinn and the director of Suicide Squad, you know, David Ayer, are teaming up for a new movie. You know, he's a real talent. DC's top female villains. Gotham City Sirens will focus mainly on Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman. Although only Robbie has signed in onto the project at this time. So really, you know, why are you reporting the story? But um is anyone excited about this? Bill, have you I told you not to watch Suicide Squad, did you You did. I was going to I was gonna download it and give it a watch and you told me not to, so I, I said, didn't don't. I said be the one person who's smart enough to watch it. <laughs> All I know is it's like you know what? We're Warner Brothers. We're DC. We're trying really hard. Let's get the world's worst—well, not worst, but most mediocre director and writer—to to head up uh, our our DC lineup. Like, you know, we've got Zack Snyder. He's we've got him pretty well manipulated. Let's let's get somebody else that just isn't quite a great director but passable. And let's give him more material. Well, let's see. He directed uh, End of Watch and Fury, the tank movie. I never yeah. actually, I've never seen any of his films except Suicide Squad. I've seen Fury. 
he, um, let's see here. I, you know what? I could not, I'm not going to blame David Ayer for Suicide Squad. The film looks gorgeous and all that. I just think it's, it, honestly, I think it's studio tampering. Like, we know that they kept trying to change it and they tried to transform the movie that was supposed to be about villains into Guardians of the Galaxy. That's, yeah. the, when you watch the film, the third act where they all come together to fight the villain, it feels like, you know, they wanted to do kind of a Guardians of the Galaxy type of thing. I honestly think the thing was doomed from the start because the studio, after, uh, Superman, uh, Batman v Superman came out and everyone was like, it's too dark. It's too dark. They were like, holy shit, Suicide Squad's too dark too. What do we do? Let's go tamper with it and add some humor and reshoots and all that. And they did that. And I think they messed it all up. And so I'm not sure I could really blame the director. I don't know. That we'll honest, see. Honest trailers of this Suicide Squad was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it was. But all I'm saying is I think multiple people are to blame. When I watched the film, I was like, okay, you know, it had some things about it that I thought were neat. One of them was that it did look gorgeous. And I don't blame the cast, except for Jared Leto, who I thought was awful as the Joker. I still can't get over that Joker laugh, which was, ah, ah, ah. He wasn't even saying, ha, ha, ha. He was saying, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> like, like he stubbed his toe. Ah, ah. It's like, what? It's not good. So we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just not. I after I I loved, uh, even with all of its issues, I loved Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. Loved it. Thought it was. I just enjoyed the hell out of it. I've watched it multiple times. It has its problems, but I enjoyed it. I had to watch the extended version of Batman v Superman in four different settings, and in each time, I fell asleep. Like. It's just such a slog of a film. I just, I was, I was blown away by how boring and just overloaded it was. I really hope Wonder Woman looks great. I just hope they're not doing weird transitions between present day and the past like that. And I'm going to be like, oh, no, 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 no. They're doing it. They're doing it. You know, like, I can't tell if it's present day or in the past. Please stop. You know, they need to have a straight narrative, I think. Just tell yeah, the freaking I, story. I think one, when I watched the trailer to Wonder Woman, I immediately flash back to the first Captain America film. Like, I'm like, that's what DC's trying to achieve here. They're... They're going for that kind of classic Joe Johnston look. So I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I trust Patty Jenkins. Mm -hmm. So I hope it's, I hope it turns out well. It all comes down to the script, honestly. The director can only do so much if the, the script is bad and hopefully it's good, you know. Okay, Bill, I have some voicemails I want to play now. Adam Sexton's is very, uh, Rogue One involved, so I won't play his until after we talk Rogue One. But the first one is Rick from Australia. Rick! Let's check it out. I am still listening. This is Rick. Hey! Um. Love you, Rick. 
just been a while since I've sent a voicemail, so I decided it was time. Uh, things, <laughs> I always love listening to whatever you talk about, like, you want to talk about this, you want to talk about that, you don't want to talk about this, you don't want to, it's like, it's always very accurate to what I want to hear. So, that is why I've been a listener of this podcast for years, literally years of my life. It's like, incredible. Anyway. What I've been watching lately is Supergirl, Ash vs. Evil Dead, Westworld, Lethal Weapon, Flash, Walking Dead. Yes, I'm still watching Walking Dead. (laughs) And yes, it's irritating. You know what I hate about the show? The show... I don't want to hate. Come on, Rick, tell us. But the thing I don't like about The Walking Dead is that they have the skeleton of a brilliant show. Zombies, people, conflict. The skeleton is there, but then they wrap it in muscle and skin, (laughs) and then they put makeup on it, and by the time the skeleton is done, it looks... Ugly. I like Not this. Physically, but story, structure, whatever. I gotcha. <laughs> Every little thing kind of niggles at me and irritates me. But the structure is there. Oh, God. I wish I didn't have so many beers. <laughs> anyway. Um, Season 6 actually started off pretty well with Walking Dead. I can't even get it. But season, season 7... Eh, I, don't give a, I, don't give a, I don't care about Negan. He's a douche. And you just know, oh, he's, meant, he's meant to be hated. You know, you know what one of my favourite movies is? Not for the fact that it's a great movie, but just for the fact that there's nothing annoying. World's fastest Indian. Oh yeah. You know, it's about this. You know, have you seen it? I don't know, but yeah, it's based on a guy from New Zealand, and it's played by Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, and yes. there is no bad guy. And I don't know why I really like the movie where there is no bad guy. You know, a movie where yeah, the I bad guy is like turned into a good guy really quickly and you don't have to spend like years or months or hours hating this person. He's like, oh, he's getting in the way. Oh, wait, no, he's come around. He's a good guy. I really appreciate that kind of stuff because I don't want to hate it just gets under my skin and I don't feel like hating anyone. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> loving the show still. I'm still listening. You guys are great. Even if it's just you, uh, Jason. I was going to say Jelson. Yeah, that's boss at work. Jelson. <laughs> Even if it's just Jason or if it's the whole crew, Bill and Steven or one or the other. But whatever you guys are doing, 
I'm still listening and I love it and I love you guys. So keep doing what you're doing because it's like home when I listen to you. This is Rick from Australia. Big kiss. Love you. Thank you so much, Rick. It's always nice to hear from Rick again after a long time, isn't it? And uh, Rick, just stop watching The Walking Dead, okay? (laughs) Trying to get Steven to stop watching, but he's still watching it. I can't believe it. Thank you, Rick, so much for that voicemail. That was awesome. Now I have another voicemail, and Bill, you told me you couldn't hear the voicemail. No, it's just silence. What is the deal with that? I don't know. Some things I can hear, other things I can't. Um, they can hear it on the feed just fine, so it is a Skype thing. Okay. I will mute Skype, and I will bring up the feed so I can hear it. Okay. Not a pain in the ass at all, right? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> all right. Well, here is a voicemail from Adam from the Bay Area. Let's check this out. What's going on, Entertainment Landfill guys? This is Adam from the Bay Area. I uh, hear you're recording a Christmas show. I can't wait to hear it. Man, I was Who told you I'm that? hoping that at some point there will be a Nim movie mini for Rogue One. Went and saw it. Uh, day it came out, wasn't even planning on it, but just kind of switching things up, made it work, made it happen, and uh, really, really loved it. Trying to get back to the theater to go see it, so I can't wait. I want, like, an in-depth, uh, you know, conversation all about every bit of it, and um, okay. hopefully there's a holiday pack or something coming out soon. I don't know what you guys have <laughs> planned or whatever, <clears throat> but I'm Listen really um, days, enjoying the yeah. Die Hard revisit i started listening to probably about 20 minutes of it or so and uh yesterday and then i was like that's it i'm watching die hard so i wrapped gifts last night and i watched die hard and it was amazing and um and the quarterback is toast anyways uh yeah i'm i haven't finished it though i want to i'm going to restart it now that i've watched the the movie last night and get a fresh listen while i'm doing things around the house uh things for us this christmas are a little bit of a bummer lawrence has been sick all week uh, for the for this week of his christmas break which sucks and then last night i was tucking him in and he's got conjunctivitis which is uh you know, hopefully no one farted on his pillow. I can assure you it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I didn't do a bear, but, um. Okay. What's the name of that movie? I can't think of the name of the movie. Anyways, you guys know what I mean. Knocked I'm just up. really, hi. Yeah. Uh, Merry Christmas to you guys. Um, I love you guys and I love your podcast and it's more to me than just an internet show. You guys know that. I hope you guys all have a, an enjoyable holiday. I hope that uh, you all get lavished with love and uh, give give gifts this year that you know light you up in your heart. What am I? Why? Okay. Well, anyways, for real though, uh, I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. Say hello to all the family members. Tell Severin, you know, I said hey, what's up? Tell uh, Laura, I said hello. You know, just, just, just do it. Just, just tell, just tell, uh, Bill, I don't know your dad's name, but tell him I said hi. Merry Christmas to Natalie. Merry Christmas to PCZ Steven and every family member that calls him Steven. All right, guys. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy New Year. All right. Well, thanks. I'm just really. Hi. Yes. Now, Bill, your father's name is your name, correct? Yes, it is my name. Are you a junior? I'm a third. A third. 
Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that'll dad's... be dying with me. So your dad's name is William. Do people call him Bill or do they call him William? They call him asshole. Oh my god! Because <laughs> I, what I'm wondering is how do how does one decide if they're Will or Bill? Because I actually know a Will. Well, you know what? It's funny when I first started my uh, uh, OTA program, half the class called me Will, half the class called me Bill, <laughs> and I told them if they called me Billy, I'd kill them. Um, but. Uh, I just kind of, I kind of got used to being called Will. I was like, hey, I kind of, I kind of like this. I'm not going to tell him not to call me Will. So just keep calling me Will. It's fine. But, uh, I, I kind of like that. I wonder oh, why as a kid I never Billy. chose to go with Will instead of Bill. Yeah. I, I don't, when does that decision get made? I think it gets made by your family, and then you can just blame them for the rest of your life. You, you have been Billy to your whole family your whole life, right? I'm still Billy to my family. And they won't switch to Bill? No, of course not. Unless, unless like, they're pissed at me. Like, I've noticed, like, if... if hard uh, to get mad at somebody named Billy. <laughs> if, if my mom or any of my sisters are pissed at me, they'll call me Bill. Or... When it's really bad, they'll go for the middle name. They'll they'll go for the Clifford, and that's uh, the uh, that's the shit just got real. Billy, you ingenious son of a bitch. Okay, I like it. Well, I'm just gonna keep calling you Bill. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> All right. The reason I'm gonna wait to play the Adam Sexton voicemail is because he goes more in depth in Rogue One. I think I kind of cut it off. I didn't get to listen to the whole thing, but we'll we'll play his voicemail at the end of the show. But let's take a break. We'll be back and we're gonna talk about Rogue One. Deal? Cool. Deal. All right, guys. We'll be right back after these messages. It's the new Star Wars lightsaber from Kenner. Inflation required. Batteries not included. You can pretend you have powers when you switch on Kenner's Star Wars lightsaber. Ready to feel the force? Switch on your Star Wars lightsabers. Close your eyes and go. I got it. Me too. Zach, you passed the test. The force is with you. A Star Wars lightsaber, new from Kenner. Balloons not included. Star Wars. You and your children loved it. Now the Earthlings at Kenner have asked my associate and me to present the Star Wars collection. Truly remarkable toys and games for your children. What's he so excited about now? My goodness, the Star Wars TIE Fighter and X-Wing Fighter. Now your children can relive our great space battles or collect our wonderful Star Wars companions with Kenner's Star Wars action figures. R2, it's a little you. Kenner's new radio-controlled R2-D2 anyone can command. Ah, the Star Wars land speeder that moves like it's floating. And here's Kenner's Death Star space station. Four floors of action. A trash compactor too. 
Listen, R2. That's the Star Wars electronic laser battle, a game of speed, reflex, and reaction. These and other toys and games in Kenner's Star Wars collection are sold separately. Batteries are not included. May the force be with you and your children. In the not-so-distant future on a planet called Earth, it's Underoos. Star Wars Boba Fett is here. That means Darth Vader's always near. C-3PO is lots of style. And R2-D2 just makes me smile. Star Wars Underoos are here, yeah! Something out of sight in underwear. Oh, don't be so ridiculous, R2. Underoos are for Earthlings. The Empire Strikes Back, a great movie. Now, a great video game. A movie which challenged your imagination. Now, a video game where the challenge never ends. You saw Luke Skywalker battle the Imperial Walkers. Now, bring the battle home. The Force was with Luke Skywalker. Will it be with you? Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back video game. For your Atari and Sears video game systems from Pucker Brothers. Out wants to beat. Luke Skywalker handles his saber well, Ben Kenobi. You should know, Yoda. Yes, I've been the Jedi Master for 800 years. Yoda and other action figures be sold separately. Beep, 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 beep. It's okay, R2-D2. I've got my laser pistol. Hold it, Luke. They're afraid of your snake, Yoda. You have nothing to fear. The Force is all around us. Yoda and other action figures each sold separately. From Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection. From Kenner. The Empire strikes back. And Burger King comes through again with our all-new Empire Strikes Back glasses. Collect a different glass for your family each week. Darth Vader, R2-D2 and C-3PO, Lando Calrissian, Luke Skywalker. Buy a regular-sized Coca-Cola at a special price and build your collection. All-new The Empire Strikes Back glasses, only at Burger King. Kenner's Star Wars collection, each sold separately. Large-sized Darth Vader with his lightsaber. Princess Leia, champion of the rebel cause. With her defender, Luke Skywalker. He can swing him into action on his grappling hook. And load Chewbacca's laser crossbow. Star Wars large-sized action figures. Up to 15 inches tall and ready for action. Large-sized Darth Vader, Chewbacca, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, each sold separately from Kenner. R2-D2, hurry up. Hello, welcome to Burger Show. We'd like a Star Wars poster, please. I knew it. Well, all you do is buy a large serving of Coca-Cola for 49 cents, and the poster's yours. R2, look, it's us. <laughs> R2, I think we'd better leave. Collect all four Star Wars posters, only at Burger Chef. Now for a quick escape on his speeder bike. You won't get away with this, Han Solo. New speeder bike with automatic speed flaps. Action figures each sold separately. Now I've got you now. Bad chance. Vital's got to base. I'm in hot pursuit and gaining. Ha, watch this. Open speed flaps and mirror. I'm gonna crash. Biker Scout, you're not all you're cracked up to be. New speeder bike. Action figures sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Return of the Jedi glasses. Four new glasses from the Star Wars Sun. Filled with the adventures of Luke Skywalker. The Ewoks. Han Solo. 
in Jabba the Hutt. Buy a medium or large coat, and a different grass is yours each week for a special price. Collect all four. Return of the Jedi glasses, now appearing only at... Now, it's here. The excitement, the adventure of a new force at breakfast. We'll call them C-3PO's. New C-3PO cereal from Kellogg's. Twin rings, phase together. For two crunches in every double O. A delicious part of this nutritious breakfast. Now you can experience the taste of Kellogg's C-3PO's. A crunchy new force at breakfast. May the force be with you. Rebo's got the beat, and the band plays on. You can relive it all with Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Introducing Size Noodles and the Rebo Band. Jabba the Hutt action playset sold separately. Play it again, Si. Starring Size Noodles, Droopy McCool on clarinet, Max Rebo on organ. Ribbit, Rebo. <laughs> Dance, Droopy. It's your last solo, Snoodles. <laughs> New Size Noodles in the Rebo Band. Jabba the Hutt action playset sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection, New Wicked W. Warwick and Princess Nisa, each sold separately. Quiet, Nisa, here comes a biker's cow. Let's go! Yibanga! He's gaining on us! Aye! Up to the forest! Close call! Yub, yub! New Wicked W. Warwick and Princess Nisa, each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Aren't you put that down? Cigarettes are dangerous! <laughs> No, smoking isn't grown up. It's very foolish. Because it's a dirty habit. It does dreadful things to your lungs, and it's very bad for your heart. Well, I know I don't have one, but humans do, and I think we should set a good example. Well done, Artu. Please, don't smoke. Time for a complete breakfast with my Count Chocula. You can't count, Count. It's time for my strawberry-flavored Frankenberry. A collection of Star Wars stickers. One in specially marked boxes of these monster cereals. with us now to the green moon of Endor, where the Ewoks are celebrating because Earth kids love their Ewok family hut. We can help the chocolate Skywalker. Hurry, Ewoks. Let's take the wagon, Princess Nisa. The Ewoks save the day. Yay! It's a galaxy of fun. The Ewok family hut comes with everything you see here. A wicked the Ewok toy, new from Kenner. Luke Skywalker was just a farm boy until he received a mysterious message. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. To rescue a beautiful princess. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. 
too short for a stormtrooper. And defend the forces of freedom against the Death Star. Here they come. The winner of seven Academy Awards, the legendary Star Wars. Written PG. Starts Friday at the No reward is worth this. I know. Uh, you said it, Han. Bill, are you there? Oh my god, is Bill okay, Steven? Steven, you okay? I'm okay. <laughs> Are you sure? Does no. Sound like it? <laughs> Bill, oh, we're back Bill's from break. Screen. Don't drop that! Oh my God. We're back. <laughs> uh, oh no, you know what this means, Stephen. Rhoda will not be presented this evening. Oh no. I hate it when I miss Rhoda. <laughs> but the good news is... Sponsored by Dolly Madison. Love yeah, some Dolly Madison though. Why do I that when I heard that Dolly Madison thing, just nostalgia. I time traveled for a second. Bill, are you back? Yeah, I had to have the uh, <clears throat> the brakes open in Mixler so I could actually hear it. Oh, because it's just silence on Skype. I don't know what the deal is, Bill. That you know how yeah, that makes me f- makes me feel when you tell me you can't hear it. <laughs> Yeah, I can't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Maybe if I talk during it, Bill, this is what I feel like. La, 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 la. <laughs> Did you hear yeah, it? Nope, can't hear it. Damn it! The hell? No, not that! Oh, there. I heard, I heard a little bit of that you under did? some static. What about this? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of, it's an experiment. Sometimes it comes through. It's like a bad cell phone connection. Well, guys, are you ready to talk about Rogue One, a Star Wars story? We are ready. Bill? Yeah, I guess so. Blast off to a galaxy far, far away. Yes! I'm just, I'm just, I'm just disappointed that there wasn't a crawl. I feel like, I feel like some <laughs> people need to make their own crawls. Oh my god, we will, we will get to that. Believe me, I post them bookmark. on YouTube. <laughs> well, we have that bookmark built, but listen, um, of course, we already knew there wouldn't be a crawl, didn't we? Or I was telling you that I had read that. You before, read it. I, you like I said, I I ignored everything about the movie because I wanted, I didn't want to see a whole lot or hear, read anything about it. Let me ask you this. Is this every film or just Star Wars movies where they put 50 trailers in front of the movie? <laughs> where it's like, can I just watch the movie now? Can I and they're all watch? trailers to shit I don't want to see. Yeah, it's just like, I want to watch Star Wars now. They Stop have a showing this. audience. No yeah. one's leaving. And I don't want to see, and I've talked about this before, The Force Awakens. I don't want to see ads like the... Uh, the Nissan Rogue with Star Wars shit before I watch the movie. I don't. I don't want to see anything Star Wars before the movie starts because I want but to. You do want to see the dentist ad three or four times? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The... There's um, <laughs> at the theater we go to, this Marcus Theater. 
the guy that uh, owns the theater or, or is the CEO, this Greg Marcus, always does these punny, irritating as hell uh, promotions for the United Way. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it's just, just get on with the movie, dude. I don't, your, your jokes fall flat. You're a dick. I don't like you, and now I don't like the United Way. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> that commercial failed then. Yeah. On multiple levels. If it makes you hate the charity. Yeah. I, I now hate the fact that the United Way supports people and helps them with their lives. Now, when the movie first starts, you know, we see the Lucasfilm logo, and people are still, you know, people still will go, yeah, you know, you see the Lucasfilm and then well, I'm just I'm just clapping because it has nothing to do with George Lucas anymore. <laughs> yeah, Lucasfilm. It means it means he's not in control. But uh, you know, we see a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then not done. It's more like like kind of like holy shit, this is like alien or something. That's what the music reminded me of. It's Michael Giacchino. It's not uh uh or Giacchino, it's not John Williams. And I have to be honest with you, I had to get used to that for most of the movie. And I would say second viewing, I was better. Hmm. The first movie, it really threw me off not having that John Williams music, but I appreciated the music much more the second viewing. And, you know, that's bound to happen because you can't get John Williams for every one of these films or he may not be interested. But I loved... In retrospect, I do love hearing someone else's take on a, on a Star Wars film because, you know, some other composers are going to have to do this. John Williams isn't going to live forever, right? And we don't want them to recycle music either. Well, in Giacchino, 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 he was brought in very late into the process because yeah. wasn't somebody else doing the score first? Yes, I forget the guy's name. If I heard it, I'd remember it. Um, uh, mm, it's okay. Just keep going. <laughs> it was Charles Nelson Riley. That's right. Um, yes, it was Charles Charles Nelson Riley. Yeah, but I thought I thought it was fine. I it, what's funny is I didn't really notice it. At any point during the film did I notice it. The only time I noticed it was when Vader shows up. Interesting. I thought I thought it was a very uh, effective score. Uh, like I said on the second viewing, the first one, it just kind of threw me off. But I loved in the beginning, have we ever seen rings of a planet before? We see the no. ship in the distance coming and it's flying through the rings of a planet. I thought that was very cool visuals. Like right away when they land on the planet and you see the guy Krennic played by Ben Mendelsohn walking with the, uh, the dark trooper guys. What are those guys called? Dark troopers. They're, they're pretty awesome looking. The cinematography just gorgeous on the, the film. It, they, you know, they went to a real place to film this. It wasn't on a green screen background or anything. Looked fantastic. Uh, of course, we know that uh, Mads Mikkelsen is a fantastic actor. Right away, we see the blue milk bill. <laughs> yep. It was so funny. I'm sitting there, and the guy, it was a packed house. 
And the guy sitting right next to me is like, blue milk. And I was like, dude, <laughs> calm down. Really? They put it right there in front of everyone. You know, you can't miss it. And I love, of course, what we love about the way Star Wars looks is it's a very worn in look. Everything looks beat up. It's kind of covered mm-hmm. in grime. Their little cool house they lived in looked like that. It's just fantastic. I knew right away. I was like, oh, wow, this is so cool. That's so cool. And uh, just like, you know, what happens to every family in the Star Wars universe? Split up. Yeah, you become an orphan immediately. <laughs> You're orphaned. Yeah. And uh, poor Jyn Erso, you know, we seen she was a little girl. And apparently uh, Mads Mikkelsen, whose name is Galen Erso, he helped build the Death Star with his genius. He's some kind of engineer and... Ben Mendelsohn needs him. And, uh, he, of course, he wants no part of it. They kill his wife. And, uh, oh, shit. You know what I should do, right? You know what we should always do before we talk Star Wars, Bill? What? Oh, yeah. This will be right with spoilers. Uh, they kill her mom and then she escapes. And we, here's another thing we've never seen in a Star Wars film set in the past, jump to present. Have we ever seen that in a Star Wars movie before? Time period shifting. No. Never. And that's cool. I like it. She's in prison. She's some kind of prison thing. And another thing, the first time I saw... Bill, have you seen the film once or twice? Yeah. Twice. Twice. Okay. The second film, the time I saw it, I was much more relaxed. I knew where everything was going. I could pay attention much better. I was really in my head the first time. Like, okay, uh, what, what is it? I got to look for Star Wars Rambles cameos. <laughs> you saw, I was, like looking for Easter eggs and stuff like that. I needed to calm down because I was really you know, excited. But we get to see, um, it, we get to the introduction of, I mean, I have IMDb open. I do have their names memorized. Cash and Andor, played by Diego Luna. We get to see him. He's a rebel, like, spy. And he gets this information about Galen, who snuck out some information to a, uh, an Imperial pilot who has defected, right? Right. And the cool thing about, I don't remember what where that was, Bill, where we first introduced to Cash and Andor, but he was in this cool like space station thing that was super crowded, like a marketplace, and yeah. you see like stormtroopers and all these other aliens. I thought that looked so awesome. It's like you know you've read a lot of the Star Wars expanded universe, doesn't that? Didn't it look like a place that was described in a book you've read about Star Absolutely. Wars? Absolutely. Whenever I was watching it, it kind of reminded me. Of the way the lower levels of Coruscant was yeah, described. Exactly. It was just so cool. And he goes to meet this guy that tells him this information. And the stormtroopers are like, hey, what are you guys talking about? Or whatever. And how cool is it the stormtroopers have that sound whenever they talk? Yeah. That uh, just little details like that. Just, I was like, <laughs> I was getting giddy, you know? And, uh, you know, he kills the, or he knocks out the two stormtroopers. No, he kills them. He, he kills, shoots them. He kills, he kills them. them. Yeah, he kills them. And even them. the other dude. Yeah, the guy is yep. like, hey, what are you doing? I can't climb out of here. You know, he's got a bad arm. He's like, don't worry, it's going to be okay. And he shoots him in the back. And right there, it's like, dude, holy shit. 
And that's kind of a whole thing that we get to know about Cashin is that uh, he's done some horrible things for good. And it kind of is weighing on him. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's fighting for the, for the rebellion, but he's done some pretty despicable things in the name of the rebellion. And that's he's a scoundrel. That's something we've never thought about before when in reflecting, you know, when we think about the rebellion, they're the good guys. But I love this idea that they've had to do some pretty sneaky shit. You know, they have to. Right. Yeah. And including shooting people in the back that are informants. You know, <laughs> that guy came there to give him some information and he ended up getting killed because of it. Because, he, uh, but he could tell Cashin gets... didn't want him to get, you know, uh, he didn't want the Empire to take that guy up and question him, right? Right. He had to. Exactly. So that was pretty messed up. And then, you know, we cut to, uh, Jin. She's being, uh, taken to a, I guess it's a slave colony. Some kind of imperial slave colony. They said the name of the, after we watch the movie over and over again, we'll have these names memorized just like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right now, I, I know the name Jetta and Edu. That's the only names that pop. And of course, we all know is Yavin. It, is it Wobani? And Scarif. Scarif, yeah, Scarif. Wobani, was that like the, they were taking her to do hard labor is what I assumed. Yeah. And, you know, in the, again, in the expanded universe, we've heard that the empire has enslaved a lot of different species to do things. Right. Yeah. And, you know, naturally they're going to, they're a, the, they're a human white supremacist organization. Right. And they're going to put her to work, but the, the, the vehicle is hijacked. By the way, it's a vehicle that clone troopers used, I believe that I've read. It did look kind of familiar. It's something that we've seen from the prequels. And uh, she's freed, and that was a great scene with the introduction of K2SO. Yeah. Where she tries to escape, and he's like, uh, what, what does he say to her? Like, so, con Congratulations, con you're free. Congratulations, you have been rescued. Yeah, you've been rescued. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she's just trying to get away. After her body slams her. By the way, how great is Alan Tudyk <laughs> as K2SO? That voice He was perfect. spot on. He was so great. And they take her, you know, we've seen in the trailer. That's another thing that's interesting because all Star Wars movies, I've watched the trailers multiple times. So it's very jarring at first when the voicing, the dialogue is different than I've seen in the trailer multiple times. Because mm -hmm. obviously they've changed some things when the guy was talking about, you know, the stuff that she's done. And uh it was a different voice, but that's fine. It's cool. This line reading was much better. And, you know, she, they know that her, she's Jyn Erso, her father is Galen Erso, he works for the Empire, and he helped design this m massive weapon, and does she, is she still involved with Saw Gerrera, who we saw when she was a little girl, took her in after her parents were taken away from her, and he's played by uh, Forrest Whitaker, and so they need her to get Diego Luna to... Saw Guerrera, where, and I love the Bill. How cool was the scene where they cut to Bodhi Rook, who's on Jeddah, who he's being taken to Saw Guerrera. Just the look of all of his men and that weird dude with the weird, like, oxygen the, shit on his face. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of alien was that? He just looked really sweet. Just like the, the design of everything was amazing. Yeah. I was, I was like, I'm, 
anytime I watch the movies, I try to think back to like how there were actual encyclopedias of alien species that I owned (laughs) for Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And I always try to identify them. And do they make any of those up for this movie or are they already existing in the Star Wars universe? I think, I honestly think they've made up a lot of species for this film. Oh, interesting. I wondered that. Oh, and they also explained, you know, we get to meet K2SO and Cashin explains that he actually reprogrammed him. He's an Imperial droid. And I guess, is he like an Imperial combat droid where he's actually... No, he's a, he does numbers. He's a, uh, what do you, t- what do you, they, they calculate the odds of doing stuff. Right. That's what he does. He calculates, uh, um, what am I thinking of? He calculates the odds of statistics, success. statistics. Yeah. He's a statistician. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> okay. But I immediately like their kind of, you know, uh, repartee between each other. Cash and he's got a lot on his mind, but he's like, she's got a gun and he's, uh, and then, you know, he's like, the odds are very high that she uses that on you. Very high. Uh, and then they go to Jetta. Which, how cool is this, Bill? Has Have Kyber Crystals been mentioned at all in any of the Star Wars films? No. It's all expanded universe stuff, am I right? Yeah. Uh, you know, in the, the Clone Wars series, the, the animated series, they talk about Kyber Crystals. And they even show how they take the young Jedis to uh, a... Was it Jeddah or is it a different place where they, no, no, it was Ilum, I think. Yeah, it was Ilum. Where they look for crystals and the crystals actually call out to the Jedi. It, it finds the person. Yeah, it finds its owner and you find it and you have to figure out how to get it or whatever. And that's how they build their lightsabers. But apparently the friggin' Death Star is powered by Kyber crystals. Did you yeah, think that powered was, by eight Kyber crystals? Did you think that was a cool revelation? Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I started thinking, wait, what if Kyber crystals are in every blaster, everything that fires some kind of weapon? But I don't think that is. But that would be cool, wouldn't it? No, I think it's. I think it's just the concentrated power that the Kyber crystal provides. Ah, I just thought that was a really sweet revelation. All I, just, I know is now after watching Rogue One, I want to either read or listen to the audiobook of uh Catalyst, which mm-hmm. is the story of uh uh Galen Erso and uh Orson Krennic. Yeah, it's like the prequel to the movie, right? Yeah. I am very interested in that too. Because I I love all that lore when you get into that. It's so cool. And apparently this planet was a holy planet for Jedi, right? It was like their, um, yeah, like you even see like the, we saw it on the trailer before, but you see how cool is it also the fact that the trailers were different than the movie that we see new shit now. It was all spoiled from the trailer. Am I right? Right. So yeah, they basically, I think what we're seeing in the film are the, the reshoots. Yeah. And what's funny is I've seen some people complain about that, but how often do we get to see a movie not spoiled because what we saw in the trailer is different. Different. Yeah. I I didn't mind that. I think it worked. We even see a different angle of the weird Jedi shaped mountain, you know, that we saw before. And I love, okay, I'm, I'm just going to geek out now and just talk about shit I love. And you guys dive in whenever you want. I don't want to take up all the, you know, 
talking stuff. But when they go to that city on Jeddah, the capital city, first of all, looks amazing with the Death Star parked on top of it, you know, huge, um, empire presence, imperial presence. They go there. They tell uh, K2 to stay in the ship. And immediately the place looks like some third world war torn country. You see all these people, you know, selling things or they're walking to and fro and you see uh, stormtroopers grabbing people. Let me see your papers and shit like that. Love it. I'm just geeking out over that. You see an Imperial probe droid bill. Yeah. But then they bump into the two guys from the cantina on <laughs> yeah. from Moss Eisley. He's like, hey, watch it. It's the guy who's like, he doesn't like you. <laughs> I forget what's that guy's name, Bill. He's a doctor. His backstory was like he was like this this god awful doctor that that uh uh did all of these disfiguring operations. I'm trying to remember what his name Yes. Okay. What's the funny thing, the guy doesn't look like he's got a doctorate from any kind of university. He's pretty messed up. <laughs> but he did stuff to himself, I guess, right? Yeah. I'm looking it like up you. because I need to I need to know. I don't like you either. <laughs> Cornelius Evazen. Yes. And he's he even says You'll be dead <laughs> And of course later on I always thought his friend's name was uh, he has a name, but when we were kids the action figure's name was uh Walrus Man, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's Ponda Baba. Ponda Baba, yeah. And he gets his arm chopped off by Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is pretty awesome. Like, so I'm guessing they like leave that planet because the Imperials are all there and they're like, let's go to Tatooine. It's much safer there. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually he's going to get his arm chopped off. But I thought that was a cool little Easter egg for people. It's kind of like, hey, that's the guy, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. But I loved how they're kind of like witnessing Saw Guerrero's guerrilla fighters, you know? You see this uh envoy of, you know, stormtroopers coming through, and they're all, like, gathering around, getting ready to attack. I thought that attack on that envoy was awesome. Yeah, it was. They're, you know, throwing grenades under it. They're shooting. You see those guys getting killed, and the little girl's crying, and Jin tries to save her, and... There's even a part where a guy's going to throw a grenade down on him, but it's going to hit Jin. So Cashin shoots that guy. He drops the grenade on some other people. They blow up. He's just taking out the, I guess you could call them the good guys, the guerrilla fighters. And, uh, well, saw guys. The one. Yeah, but he caused like a chain reaction oh, yeah, when he yeah, shot him. Yeah. Remember the guy had a grenade, fell and blew up more guys? So yeah, he shot him off the bridge. I'm actually watching it right now as you talk about it. Well, I thought those were just like innocents that got sh killed because he said, yeah. cause later on the guy with the mask said, you know, you killed one of my guys. Yeah. And th that, first of all, I want to say this about Rogue One. I don't know if this is controversial at all to Star Wars fans. I'm a Star Wars fan. Star Wars is like a religion to me. It's the, one of the most special kind of movies you can see. It's just important to me. Rogue One has the best stage action of any of the Star Wars movies. I've said it. Am yeah. I full of shit? No. I think no, it the action does. is staged incredible. 
the shootouts. It's hectic. It's crazy. They look real. It looks like it's completely followable. Yes. And it's also badass. (laughs) It's totally awesome. That whole market sequence, I was just like, holy shit, is this what we're in store for? Cause well, even, you know, even as, as, uh, Cashin and, uh, Jin get caught in that little, uh, little area where they, like, they've got stormtroopers coming from both sides and he's shooting from one side, she's shooting from the other. And she actually goes out with a baton. And starts just beating the shit out of uh, stormtroopers. Yeah, and that's whenever she pulls out the gun and shoots the uh, the droid that looks like K two. Yeah, and he's like, and he's like, "Did you know that was me? <laughs> Did me. you know that wasn't me?" <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was totally awesome. And who is that little dude? Was uh, that little guy with the blaster? Uh, Get the big lizard mouth when he opens up. <laughs> that was sweet. So then they run into oh, before, is that the guy that Warwick Davis plays? He might have played that part. I think he played more than one guy, uh, but I think he played a rebel too later on. But before this all broke out, she did meet Chirrut Mway, played by Donnie Yen, and Baze Malbus. Uh, he senses her kyber crystal on her necklace. Mm-hmm. And what does he say? Something like how much for your necklace or something like that? Trade you. I'll trade you or whatever. And he's like, those are guardians of the wills. And now that there's nothing left to protect, they're just, they just cause trouble. And I was like, the wills has, have the wills ever been mentioned in a movie before Bill? No, just in the book. Well, the George Lucas, when he created uh star Wars, the beginning notes and his notebooks and stuff, he called it Luke Star Killer in the the Journal of the Wills or something. Yeah. And it's basically the Wills are telling the story of Star Wars. And I almost feel like at the beginning of every Star Wars film, when it says a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, that's probably the first thing you read in the Journal of the Wills, right? This mm-hmm. this tome that we're reading. I thought immediately that kind of was like, holy shit, that's badass that they mentioned the wills. I don't know. It just kind of made me excited, you know? And then uh, after that skirmish, they go around the corner and they run right into some more stormtroopers. And they have that cool scene where they're like, where are you taking these prisoners? And K2's like, uh, taking them to prison or whatever and cashin says something he smacks him in the head he's like shut up you (laughs) that was great great little moment and it looked like it really hurt because his hand is metal yeah and then all of a sudden chirut is there bill and he's like let them go in peace and he walks up with the staff and because we've seen the trailer i'm like oh hell yeah we're about to see donnie yen beat some stormtroopers i got super excited and he's like Hey, he's blind. And the guy's like, is he deaf? Because <laughs> they're like, hey, freeze. And then, you know, we see the cool scene where he uh, beats up some stormtroopers. He's a blind guy. And is it Cashin Bill who says, is he a Jedi? Yeah. And Baze, uh, you know, he blasts the rest of them. He's got this cool automatic blaster thing right. going with this giant power pack on his back. I don't know what that is, but it's pretty freaking cool. I think my favorite part of that was 
whenever he held one of the stormtroopers and used it as a human shield. Yes. And the trooper probably got like 20 shots on him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's just moving around. They keep shooting the stormtrooper. That was great. Great stuff. And he's like, you almost shot me. And he goes, you're welcome. They they automatically, we've already got Cashin and K2. They got a great repartee. And then we have Trout and Bays now. And there's some interesting guys. They all get captured at the same time and taken to Saw's place. Where, by the way, Bodhi, Bodhi Rook, who is the Imperial pilot that, that defected, he's now being questioned by Saw. And I think, is Saw Guerrero supposed to be, like, a little nuts yeah. now? Like, yeah. he's been in the shit for too long, and now he's kind of whacked out. Like Yeah, Kirk he's completely gone. See, that'd be a fun story to follow, him losing his mind. Yeah, and now, he like, he they show that he has no original legs, and he's got a breathing apparatus, kind of like Darth Vader, only he just takes huffs off of it. You know what it kind of reminded me of? It reminded me of uh, Dennis Hopper from Blue Velvet, like... <laughs> Like taking like hits off of his little mask, you know. From the ether. It reminded me yeah. of a Morton Joe. Yes. Yeah. Kind of a Morton Joe thing there. That's kind of the, you give like an actor a prop to use in his scenes, and that's what it. You know, he's like, like that, and they, some kind of weird squid thing reads his mind because Saw isn't sure he even trusts Bodie. He just thinks people are after him, trying to kill him. So he's like, I'm not going to look at this till I know you're on the up and up that Galen Urso really gave this to you. And even his men are like, yeah, we took this off of him. And he's like, I gave that to you. You didn't take it from me. He's like, I surrendered After myself we to you. Him. He's like, they no. didn't capture me. I came up to them and I <laughs> said I need. And it's like really annoying him. But uh that weird squid creature, did that exist in the Star Wars lore, Bill? That mind reading squid thing. <laughs> yeah, that was the first I ever saw of that. Bagoba. And there was a there was a great um I wish I could grab the uh, Rogue One art book you got me because there was a, a great section about that, about the creation of that being. I thought it was really cool and creepy, uh slowly moving in and puts its thing on its temples. And I guess yeah. it kind of fries his brain, doesn't it? it reading reads his your brain. brain. Yeah, it kind of Yeah. Because he was definitely out of it later when the, you know, Cashin and uh, Jin are there. See, that's wondered if if that's how Saul Guerrero found that creature because he's kind of crazy now. Did he get his mind read by one? Probably. You know, the, it kind of fried his brain like that. That's what I was thinking. He's definitely uh, the way that Forrest Whitaker chose to act as Saul was definitely as a guy who was. Very strange, <laughs> you know. Because that's what I'm wondering: did he get captured at some point? You know, he was definitely disconnected and paranoid, right? Yeah, he was definitely paranoid. He didn't trust anybody, and when he saw Jin, he immediately is like, "They sent you here to kill me, didn't they?" And but in fact, they sent Cash in there. They're like, "Whatever you do, you got to take Saw out." And that's another interesting thing about the rebels is they're giving him assassination orders, right? Right. Or later on, you know, the guy comes up to him, but they're not doing it as a big group. The guy comes up to him later and tells him, you know, like, here's your secret mission. You got to take this asshole out. You know, the rebels hands aren't clean in this. No, not at they're, all. They're they're not. I mean, they're and I think that's what I liked about it. It was almost kind of a battle of Algiers kind of a play on, you know, revolution is not a 
uh, a pretty uh, thing. A pre- yeah, it's not a pretty thing. And they're all, and all of the different heads of the rebels, we see that they're all different heads and groups of people. They're not even like, like, well, if you're not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. You know, if I'm putting all my people, you got to put all your people. You know, they're kind of like arguing amongst each other. So I thought that was interesting. And, uh, I thought there was a very cool moment where Jin gets to see, but, but by the way, she hasn't seen her father since she was a little girl when he was taken away. So she doesn't know much about her father. You know, she doesn't even know if she still cares about him because, you know, he went back to the Empire after all. When she sees this holographic message to her, you know, well, it's to Saw. And he says, you know, tell my daughter if she's still alive. He has no idea if she's still alive. That he basically made a vulnerability in the Death Star. If he was going to have to build this thing, he wanted to make sure somebody could destroy it. So he actually, the reason the Death Star has that ventilation that leads right to the, the uh, chamber that will blow up the Death Star, you know, that we've seen Luke do. Port. Yeah. Is, I thought it was a very cool kind of retconning bill that actually this is the guy who made that possible because he did it on purpose. I thought that was really cool that uh, Galen Erso made it possible for them to blow up the Death Star. What did you think of that revelation, Bill? Bill, did we lose Bill? Bill, you still there? Yes, there I am. Sorry, oh, sorry. I was. I was as you were talking. I was watching the scene of uh, him talking to the 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 hologram. Um, oh, Bill, by the way, the reason you're watching is because the Oscar screeners came out, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're a member of the Academy, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a <laughs> member of the Academy. Um, uh, but yeah, it, I thought that was a, a brilliant retcon to it because it, it, it answered that so many times that question was brought up, like, well, you know, why would they leave such a, uh, ridiculous uh, vulnerability way, in it. Which, by the way, never bothered me. It's just other things people say on the internet. Yeah. yeah. And it's a little porthole. Who's going to find that unless they know about it beforehand, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, but uh, I thought that was a... You very- know, and it's funny, it's funny that, um, you know, just re-watching Star Wars, uh, that scene where they go to Tarkin and they tell him, you know, well, what about, you know, this, this, uh, what, how do they phrase it? What about this vulnerability that we now know that they know we have? And he's just like, dude, seriously? Yeah. In a you new think- hope, a guy goes, we've been studying the schematics and we think we have found a vulnerability. And he's like, what? And he's like, where, you know, and then he goes, I think we should leave, sir. And he goes, and miss our triumph or something like that. He yeah, has so much arrogance. He has no doubt in his mind that they're going to succeed, which makes it all the better. But, uh, I really thought that was a moving scene. It's just Mads Mickelson talking. Yeah. On a friggin' hologram. And it was very and he's moving scene. He's so good. He's just such a great freaking actor. And you realize that he could either say no. I'm not going to work on your 
machine and they would have killed him but instead and gotten somebody else right well apparently this is no they couldn't have gotten anyone else he was the brilliant mind that came up with using the kyber crystals he was manipulated by krennic because they were childhood friends right and then again you know having that control over you know uh basically blackmailing him like you either work with me or i destroy your family right so and again i think that goes back into the catalyst which i have to read now um and so he basically galen went with him because he knew that they would just track his daughter down and kill her in front of him or threaten to kill her his whole life until he finally just went with them or whatever. And the best thing and the best, the best option he saw was build the weapon, create a vulnerability and pray that it gets taken out before it can be used. Right. And meanwhile, cut to the death star. And I thought this was, I'm going to say this right. I've seen other people say things, but Moff Tarkin played by Peter Cushing is in the friggin' movie. Yeah. And I got to say right away, my first thought was looks awesome. And I thought it was very ballsy to attempt. It it. was super ballsy. And I thought it was really cool because first of all, they had his mannerisms down. Like it looked yeah. like the same Moth Tarkin from A New Hope. Uh, he acted the same, and he's there to look at this Death Star that Krennic played by. Well, ben and Middleton. I guess the guy that played him uh, studied his style for ages. Wow. So it was it was like a protege of his, and he wants a uh, kind of an show me what this can do. And they're there to take out, uh, they're basically they're there at Jeddah, like floating above, you know, the Death Star. By the way, all the shots of the Death Star, like from the atmosphere looked awesome, didn't they? Yeah. And how cool was that scene of the Death Star, like going in front of the sun? It was a friggin' eclipse, you know? And they're going to take out the capital city. You know, he's like, not the whole planet, just, you know, a small example, just take out the city. But there's kind of a ripple effect, <laughs> you know. It doesn't just take out the city. It is, it is a monster ripple effect. Well, it sends a basically a, a land tidal wave. Yeah, and meanwhile, in uh, the lair, Sagar's lair, and all the thugs, they were playing that Dajaric game. But it looked like clay figures. Yeah, they didn't have yeah. holographic. They had the actual figures. And there was kind of like Twi'lek girl dancing hologram kind of thing. Yeah. Lo- eat all that stuff up. Love it. And uh, we get some more of uh, Chirrut and Bays and Chirrut is like saying his little mantra that he says, which is, uh, what is it? I am the force. The force is with me. Uh, or I'm one with the force. I'm one with the force. I'm one with the force. The force, force is with me. And they also discover Bodhi in the cell over and his brain is fried. They're like, Hey, it's the Imperial pilot. And Baze wants to kill him immediately because they have fun killing Imperials. I'm guessing that's their thing. I I think, you know, back going back to the, uh, the battle, like in that marketplace after Baze takes out that whole line of stormtroopers, one of the parts that like just rang with me was like, as he was walking towards, uh, 
Chirrut and they were having that conversation, one of the stormtroopers lifted their heads oh, and yeah. he just put a bolt right into that stormtrooper's head. That looked kind of, uh, that looked hardcore the way he just goes, like right in yeah. his head. That was a cold execution, man. <laughs> yeah. And that's what was great about the action in this, because when the laser bolts are hitting them, that shit looks like it hurts. You know, that's like going through the body, you know, not just hitting the plastic. They have like some smoke and shit coming off of it. It looked like uh that was a cold headshot right there. Yeah. And, and you know, it's whenever we were watching the uh Harmies Despecialized edition, I was explaining to Natalie about how uh Lucas in the special editions and, and moving on took all of like those scorch marks and burning and smoke and all of that away to make it look less violent mm-hmm. and how it just kind of neutered the entire thing. And yeah. she couldn't even wrap her mind around that. And like, in this, I, uh, Gareth Edwards is like, no, we're going to have all that stuff in there. <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing. The, the way this is handily directed by Gareth Edwards was very impressive to me. I thought the camera work was awesome. The way it filmed, not just the action, but the, just the overall scenes between characters talking, I thought was really cool. And Mm -hmm. we, uh, the whole time they're talking, Cashin has figured out a way to open the door and he calls K2. And meanwhile, you know, they've sent the beam to the capital city and the place is blowing up and, uh, the whole place is shaking and they all have to get out of there. Saw chooses that he doesn't want to run anymore. He's choosing to stay and die. I guess he is kind of uh pretty worse for wear, isn't he? Yeah, he knows he's done. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, can't really keep up with you guys. Yeah. You see these robot legs? But I thought that whole se- sequence where they escape was really cool on the ship. Love seeing the yeah. ship fly, you know, go from the atmosphere to space as the whole place is collapsing in on itself. And they go yeah. back to Yavin 4. And that's whenever we cut to the uh, the Death Star where Tarkin basically tells Krennic, oh, it works. Okay, thanks. Mine. Yes, I love that scene. <laughs> the way he's like, you will not steal this achievement from me. And he's just like, oh, run along now. You know, he yep. basically hijacks his freaking achievement yeah. from him. He's like, dude, you're, you're middle management. F off. Yeah. And Krennic, Krennic, is that when Krennic is like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go over your head. I'm going to Darth Vader. Yes. I'm going to Mustafar. He tries to go over Grand Moff Tarkin's head. I don't know if he's a Grand Moff yet or whatever. No, at that point, I think he's just a commander or an admiral or whatever. Leia calls him Governor Tarkin at the beginning. Governor Tarkin. And he decides, I'm going to go complain to Darth Vader, (laughs) (laughs) which is funny. So cut back to, they now know, by the way, from the information of where Galen Erso is, he's on this uh, other planet where they're refining the, by the way, that's one thing. When the guys uh, hijacked that envoy of stormtroopers, they had a bunch of things of um, the kyber crystals, right? Yeah. And so they were stealing them from the the vehicle. Yeah, they're stealing them out of the vehicle. So they take all those kyber crystals to this other planet where they're constructing stuff where Galen Erso first met Brody Rook, snuck out the message to deliver to Saw. So now they know to go there. Edu? Edu. Yeah, Yeah, Edu. It's the 
rainy, craggy, cavey planet. Yeah, what I like about this is Chirrut and Baze are like pretty much with them now. They have nowhere else to go. They're going to go along yeah. with them. And um, yeah, they go back to Yavin 4 first, right? Don't they? <clears throat> After that? After Saw Guerrero's planet, do they yes. go to the, the other planet or do they go to Yavin 4 first? There is a scene on Yavin, but they go straight to Edu. Okay, they just talk to him. And right, right. They talk to him and go directly to Edu. Well, I remember there's one point where, oh, the guy tells him, he goes, He's kill he goes, kill Galen Urso Galen. no matter what happens. He yeah. can't, you know, he's caused too much damage. His work with the Empire has cost everyone, you know, basically especially the people of Jeddah who've all just died, you know? So, it, yeah. so there, so Jin wants to go and see her father and save him or whatever she can do. But Cashin, he's there to basically putting his blaster in sniper mode, which was friggin' awesome, <laughs> which K2 says he did have it in sniper setting or whatever it is. And, so they go out. They, by the way, they crash on that planet. They don't even have their ship anymore. No, which I thought was a great scene. They're all kind of like just huddled in the ship, and they all keep leaving one at a time. And I love when Trude's like, uh, "Does he look like a killer?" And he's like, "What? Who? Cashin?" And he's like, and he goes, "Well, his rifle was in sniper mode, <laughs> and he decides <laughs> to go out too." And he's like. How are you going to get around out there? And he goes, I have you with me. And he's just like, uh, Baze is like, ugh. And he follows along. But right then, uh, Krennic, he's visiting because he suspects, oh, remember what, um, Tarkin told him is that your people on that planet, somebody leaked out the information. So yeah. you need to get, you know, clamp that shit down because that looks bad on you. So he immediately goes there. And, uh, confronts him. And I love that whole scene where, you know, he lines up all the scientists and he's going to question them. And Galen's like, no, it was me. No, he wasn't questioning me. He just told them the first yeah. one who steps Some, up, whoever told yeah. steps up. Yeah. And they're all just looking at each other. Like, oh, oh, oh. And Galen's just like, it was me. And so he speaks up, but then they kill him anyway, which we know was going to happen because he's an asshole. Um, but meanwhile, because the ship crashed, the rebels think that the ship is down and they call in an airstrike. Just take all the Imperials out, including Galen Urso. They'd rather just send a hit squad and take everybody out before they really know what's going on. Which yeah. I thought was pretty cold blooded, wasn't it? Absolutely. And, uh, that scene too was really cool. How, uh, you know, all the, sh you know, the rebels attack and then they're sending out, by the way, so cool seeing the TIE fighters undock and start going out of the like hangar. That was so awesome to see, I thought. And, and just the, the set design on the planet and the, the dark blues and the, the, like the stalactites. And then finally, whenever, you know, Jin, sees her father for that for that split second and then the the grenade goes off yeah it was like he's like they she got to have that one moment where he recognizes that she's still alive oh i know and that that grenade was hardcore i mean it looked like real like people getting taken out just yeah like, 
and it was the friggin' rebels who did it. They just yeah. killed her dad. You know, he has a few moments of breath left, but it's still really sad. You know, then, you know, they kill some stormtroopers or whatever, but they escape in a new Imperial ship. And that's when they go back to Yavin. But I love that scene where even then Krennic did not want to kill his friend, did he? No. He was just, even when he found it, it was me. It's almost like Krennic still was like, well, didn't, didn't quite believe or. Yeah, he's, he could. No, I think he or... believed it. I think he just didn't want to lose the control over him. Yeah. Like he, he had spent so many years manipulating him. That, uh, it just proved to Tarkin, you know, hey, I killed the guy. I got the leak. You know, I killed all the scientists except for the lead guy. Yeah. He should know though. He's not getting the Death Star back. (laughs) No. (laughs) But I do love Krennic's ship and that he has the, this group of dark stormtroopers with him wherever he goes. I thought that was pretty cool. But, um, that scene was very touching where she's, uh, there with her father as he dies and the camera just stays on his dead body, like in this uncomfortable position that for a long time. Yeah. yeah and... It was really messed up. And I love when, uh, from far away, it's like, uh, base on his little gun viewfinder is taking them all away from a distance, taking them all out. And we also get Chirrut with his weird, bowcaster thing it almost looked like a bow and arrow kind of Mm -hmm. configuration how he shoots a tie fighter out of the sky and then it crashes in on the uh the gun the giant you know gunnery i know that truth's not a jedi but is he force sensitive bill absolutely that's what i said because that is that just luck that he just did or is the force with him well, no, the, or do you want well, to say because he's blind, he's got the extra senses? But he shot a saying, TIE you know, fighter out of the understood. sky. <laughs> but, what's, but also, what's, you know, his staff glows. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking he has a kyber crystal in his staff. Well, you saw the, the end of the staff has the, it looks like a saber handle on it. I was honestly yeah. waiting for something to go out of it, like a little blade or something. But maybe they're like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. No, we can't do that. Yeah. But still, his character is very interesting to me. I, I loved him in Bays. I thought they were great. I did team. I did love when they got kidnapped by the Rebels, and we kind of snickered when they put the bag over his head. Oh, He's yeah. Like, Are he, you kidding yeah. me? I'm blind. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they put, put a bag, bag over a blind, blind guy's head. That was a great laugh. Like, the whole audience laughs at that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm blind. <laughs> I was like, I want a an expanded universe book of Trout and Baze's adventures, don't you? Yeah, I absolutely. Totally, those guys were great. Uh, so anyway, it goes back to Yavin Four, where they explain to them that, by the way, they don't even really know if they believe Galen Erso or Jin about how do we know there's really a weakness? He could be lying. It could be a trap. We show up with all of our ships and then it turns out there's no weakness and then we all die or something. So they, uh, we need solid proof. And she's like, what if we steal the plans to the Death Star? And it's like, well, the only way you can do that is to go to this planet. Was it Edu? Scarif. Scarif. Where they have a friggin' force field around the planet and you got one tiny gateway to get in. Yeah, but luckily they well, did steal huge, an imperial. Sh- they stole an imperial shuttle. 
and uh, which is cool, kind of like uh, Return of the Jedi. That's how they get on Endor with the Imperial shuttle. Yeah. And uh, I like how uh, Jin is trying to tell them we can't just sit by and wait for them to blow up a planet. We have to act now. We've got to do something. And what I thought was, I honestly thought they would go for her plan, but instead they're like, no, forget it. We're not doing this. And she has to go off with, you know, uh, Trout and Bays and Cashin rounds up his guys that want to help. And so it's a small group that goes. I thought that was really interesting that the rebel, you know, the rebel leaders don't even want to back her, you know, cause it's, right. they're, they're afraid of losing whatever forces they have. Yeah. Small amount they're already overextended. Yeah. Was this when all of a sudden cut to Mustafar? Mustafar? Yeah, actually, Mustafar happens before uh, Yavin. Oh, okay. So we see so that- directly from Edu, Krennic leaves and goes straight to Vader's castle on Mustafar because he's still trying to get the Death Star back or whatever. Yeah, right? and we get to see frigging Darth Vader without his armor on in a Bacta tank, right? Yep. And uh, I was like, dude, are we gonna see like his whole body or whatever? <laughs> What's funny is because of Revenge of the Sith, we know how damaged he is. You know, he's missing legs and stuff like that. So, but I did think the castle and stuff was really cool. And what I learned from what I've read online, Bill, and you have the art book that they actually designed this castle. Was it Ralph McQuarrie? Yeah. Designed this back in the Empire Strikes Back days. Yeah. And they never used it, but how cool is that that they could use it now? I never thought for a second that Darth Vader had a house somewhere. And that his house was on the place that he killed his wife. Yeah. And lost his limbs and lost his humanity. He's like, yeah, I want to stay here. I want to stay. I want to, you know, it's like that, that, I don't know if it's masochistic or, you know, it just, to to stay in a place that contains so much pain. Yeah, it's almost you know we find out in Return of the Jedi that he is conflicted later. You know there is still good in him, but I wonder if staying in a place like that keeps the good out and keeps all of the dark within him. You know, kind of I the thing. I can only imagine. And he's got, what's funny, they have a guy come in with a robe on. It's like, dude, who's this Sith guy? And it turns out he's just a guy who's like, hey, there's somebody here to visit you, Lord Vader. <laughs> hey, um, that, he's just a servant. Orson Krennic's here, sir. It's like, I'll be right But he's now. got two Imperial guards to each side of his Imper- uh, his yeah. back to tank. Darth is like, let me grab my bathrobe. <laughs> and he puts his bathrobe on. But at that moment, okay, I've seen the movie twice now, but that scene... The way the camera tracks like over the shoulder of Darth Vader as he's walking towards Krennic is awesome. Yeah. The way he turns and he sees Darth come in, but then the camera goes behind Darth and he's walking towards him. And it like he Krennic gets smaller and smaller as it gets closer, like he's so and towers over him. And I thought that was an awesome scene. And I think the other thing that uh that you notice as you watch the scene as I'm, as I'm kind of watching it right now is Krennic is so intimidated and he loses that, that arrogance that he has around Tarkin. And he, he's like 
cowering, almost begging Vader to let him have his weapon. Yeah, it's like he's next level shit that like Darth Vader, like uh Tarkin is nothing, you know, and now he's in front of Vader and that's some scary shit. And, um, you know, when he forced, you know, could you put in a good word with the emperor or something? Could you tell him what I did? And he starts force choking him. Yeah. And he even says the line, don't choke on your aspirations. I've read some people complain about that. Like he's too, you know, matter of fact, when he says that Darth wouldn't say that, but I disagree. Yeah, I totally disagree. Darth Vader would say shit like that. If you cut back to like Empire Strikes Back, the way, you know, he's talking to, uh, Lando, he's like, uh, perhaps you feel you are being treated unfairly. You know, he's kind of plays with people. And I have a feeling Darth Vader hates the Imperial officer guys he has to deal with. He can't stand these assholes. Yeah, he doesn't want anything to do with bureaucracy. They're all Darth Vader is not a a bureaucrat. He is a freaking destroyer. He's like, as they call James Bond or whatever, M does a... He's a blunt instrument who goes in yeah. and wipes the floor with things. And so when he has this bureaucrat whining to him, he can't wait for him to leave. Like he's bothering him. And it's him. the same way in the original Star Wars. Whenever he walks into the, uh, into the, the council room and they're Tarkin's talking about how he's dissolved the Senate. And then, you know, you get a couple of these bureau- bureaucrats being uppity. And he immediately has absolutely zero tolerance for it. Yeah, I find your lack of faith disturbing. By the way, in that scene we're talking about right now in Star Wars A New Hope, one chair's empty. I've read somebody say, that's Krennic's chair. That's Krennic's chair. <laughs> he's <laughs> nice. He died, so he's that's the reason that chair's empty. And I'm like, dude, that works so well. That's awesome. Because yeah. as soon as we got home, by the way, Heather's like, I want to watch A New Hope. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, the only way to watch it is the despecialized version. So anyway, that was cool seeing Darth Vader in that scene. Just how marvelous is that despecialized edition? We were so enamored with that Adewan Star Wars Revisited where it's it's basically a glorified special edition. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really well done. I praise everything that he's done. But to be able to watch it, as we originally saw it. Yeah. It's just a joy. It's an absolute joy. And then I read in an interview today that uh, Gareth Edwards says that Disney has finished a 4K restoration of the original 1977 no. Star Wars. Oh, are you effing serious? Yeah. Holy they said they shit. watched it just before they started production on Rogue One. No. Disney has finished a remaster, re, re, you know, rescan, 4K scan of the original 77 film. That is amazing. So honestly, it's just a matter of time before we have, you know, that's, and it's like, it's, I think Bill Hunt from, the digital bits made the comment and he's like, that's protecting your, inv- your investment. Yeah. Well, uh, when you get someone like Gareth Edwards, who's a star Wars fan who all of a sudden is there next to Kathleen Kennedy and can talk to her about anything. He's like, so when do we get the real version of star Wars, the original, he finally has the ear of someone who's important who can right. say that. Yeah. 
uh, I think is awesome. You get real Star Wars fans in there, people who love the films, grew up with the films, and it's not just a movie you want to put out for the summer or Christmas time. It's a movie that you want to make that stands with the other films and also, like, if I made a Star Wars film, I would know going in, this has to be a film that people can watch a thousand times, you know? <laughs> people need to want to watch this over and over again kind of thing. They're going to watch it. They're going to find something analyze new, everything. Yes. And uh, that will, Bill, that, that's what the key to getting me to buy a 4K TV finally. Because right now I'm not really that interested. You know, I am interested in 4K gaming. That sounds like it might be neat eventually, but I'm not yeah. in any rush. But if all of a sudden like, oh, 4K theatrical version of 1977 Star Wars. There you go. It's like, I need to go buy a TV Damn now. It. Like yeah. that would get me to buy one. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, when they go to... Are we now when they go to uh, the final planet? Yes. By the way, yeah. Now, well, now they've all gathered. Say they're still on Yavin Four because the that's 4, when they gather the all the rebel. I the, love the, that scene where the Cash, rogues. Cashin says we've done a lot of things for the rebellion that we're not proud of: assassinations, spying on friends, or they they've. Basically, all that group of people, like, we've all basically killed a lot of people for this, and we want to do something good. And that is, we've got to keep the Death Star from becoming, so, op you know. Yeah, be becoming more operational. They've got to strike now when they can to get rid of the Death Star. Because yeah. the Emperor's plan was to have these Death Stars, you know, you know, there had to have been working on the second one, right? From Return of the yeah. Jedi. We've, you know, talked about the timelines or whatever, like... His the emperor's idea is for whenever some system started acting up, send the Death Star there to threaten them, and then they do whatever they want. You rule the entire galaxy with an iron fist, and uh, it would be ter terrible, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like okay, we got guys. We need to do what the emperor says because he's going to blow up our planet. So <laughs> they've got to get rid of this thing. And I thought that whole scene, uh, by the way, Bodie Rook is really cool here. The way he's working with K2SO and they come up with the call sign Rogue One, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Cause they're like, what the hell are you doing? Why you shouldn't even be on this ship? What's your, <laughs> what's your call sign? Yeah. Like Rogue, Rogue One. Rogue, Rogue One. And I love when they're coming you know, up. So the you're not supposed to be on the ship. Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I love when they're coming up with the plan. Okay. When we get past the shields, we're going to land. You guys just plant bombs everywhere. When I give you the signal, just unleash hell. Start killing everyone. That's basically the plan, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. And well, you want to scatter the troops so you have the bombs and all over the place. And cash in. That's their. And by the way, none of them even Very gorilla. Yeah, none of yeah, them talk super. about. Do does anyone say? And yeah, and then we'll leave. Do they all know they're going no. to pretty much be screwed? Yeah, I think so. I know what one point someone says, and uh, and we got to be sure we can get out of here, event or something like that. Somebody is expecting that they're going to get out of there. I don't remember who says it though, but um, I think it's just being hopeful. But I like the way the whole shield is set up. They show it around the entire planet except this one ring station where all the ships go in and out of. Mm -hmm. I thought that was cool and how those got the star destroyers outside kind of parked outside the planet. 
And so they go in, they land, and we get the scene where I also love the way they showed that um, there's that giant tower with a dish on top. And there are like these tracks with this cart that you get into that drives you there. Like you mm-hmm. ride on a rail. I thought all the kind of like designs of everything was really cool. Yeah, it was brilliant. And the way uh Jin and Cashin and K2, they sneak in. You know, she dresses. What's so funny is we thought those were like swords or whatever when we saw the trailer. But it turns mm-hmm. out they're just those directing light things to land a ship. Right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, those aren't lightsabers. <laughs> They're like little plastic lights. They're or like... little flashlights the, the, the guy directs the, traffic with. The ground crew uses to delay direct traffic. Yeah. But, uh, oh my God, help me out. What happens next, guys? It's, it was so, by the way, this whole third okay, act of the so, movie is unbelievable. Am I right? So K2SO has to find a map of the building. Right. So he gets another droid, and all of a sudden he's got the back of the head open, reading its mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. He goes because Cashin even says, "You know what you need to do," and it's to yeah. basically jack into another droid. And but, Bill, I was talking to you about this. The reason we don't see any other Imperial droids in like the other movies, they could easily say it's because <clears throat> those droids were so easily hacked by people that they were kind of a detriment that they needed to well, when cancel they're the whole line. And you see the other one walk, and you see K two also kind of look back at him like, "Yeah, you know, yeah. how do I act?" You know, yeah. it's kind of like, was it, I, that's kind of what I thought. I was like, I got to act like a droid, you know, an Imperial droid. How is he, what's he oh, doing? Oh, there's that great line earlier where Stormtrooper says, you need to go get your, uh, your behavior modification or something. No, you like got to go, uh, what was it? Something about his behavior checked out and he goes, Oh, self-diagnostic. You gotta get like, di- a diagnostics yeah. And he's like, you. excuse me? I can run my own diagnostics. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't think so. <laughs> I thought that was great. So he had a little bit of attitude. So anyway, I like this whole convoluted system that the Empire keeps their records that you have this friggin' claw thing that rides up Hard and the drives stuck in these. But meanwhile, they show the other guys, they're planting bombs, uh, true to sneak it up on guys and knocking them out and stuff. I thought that was great. Even Bay's like tasers a guy or something. Yeah, takes out a couple. And you know what they really wanted to do is have base shove a knife in the back of the guy's neck with like, no, can't do that. We gotta stick with PG-13. Yeah, yeah, but you know they so bad wanted them to be cutting throats and stuff. But I love that, you know, once once it cuts to the scene of uh, them, they, they, they finally get through that, like, subway station to the to the records department and, uh, the uh the guy that controls the station is like um what are you doing here and k2so just slams him on the head with his fist oh yeah he says can i help you with something he goes no i don't think you can and he just hits him <laughs> that was great uh and just when when they start attacking you know, they just are like, okay, well, set the. Meanwhile, Krennic well, has landed on the planet well, too. You think because after he reads the robot's mind, he says, "Yeah, you've got eighty-four stormtroopers between us and the record." Yeah, we'll be killed That's about thirty percent of the, the way. Bombs. Yeah, he goes set off the bombs, and Krennic, meanwhile, is in the main control room yelling at people or yeah. whatever, kind of like throwing his weight around, and he just kind of wants all of. Uh, he wants the Death Star plans. No, no, right? he wants all of the. 
communiques that uh, oh, yeah, Galen he, has sent yeah. Yeah, to see went, who he was talking to. And he, yeah. Well, he also wants to know exactly what it is that got sent out. Right. He wants to know what is it Galen is hiding. And meanwhile, everything starts blowing up. And I like that scene just where everyone's quiet, all the Imperials, and they're just kind of looking looking around like, okay, that exploded, that exploded. And he's just looking. He goes, well, what are you waiting for? Send he's in like, the troops. Yeah. He's like, freaking do something. Send in and the That's garrison. when the shit hits the fan, and then the, uh, the rebels finally realize on Yavin what's going down, and they they uh, dispatch the, uh, the X-Wings. By the way, how freaking badass is it? When all of the ships start arriving from hyperspace, like woo, 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 like that, and the uh, the Imperials on the Star Destroyers, are like Rebel ships, sir, they're just like coming out of nowhere, like all showing up. And by the way, that scene where the guy yet runs up to Mon Mothma and the guy's like, "Keep back," you know, he's like, "Sir, sir," you can see uh, Chopper from Star Wars Rebels <laughs> going by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, there are a couple of, you know, Star Wars Rebels Easter eggs there, which is really cool, I think. But I know it's just geeky stuff. But I love when the space battles in this movie, X-Wings and TIE Fires, I'm not, am I, I'm trying not to be hyperbolic, but completely badass. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. And how cool is it, like, you got to throw, fly through the force field before they close it. And then they close it, right? Some, some Last X-Wings get through. Three. And then a guy named Red Five. Yeah. <laughs> it closes on Red Five and he blows up. And we know who becomes Red Five later is Luke, which is funny because, uh, well, you have no Red Five. Make Luke that guy. And <laughs> we know what happened to the we original Red, Red Five, Five. Bill. <laughs> But, uh, I thought the dogfights in space were so just entertaining as hell. I just eating that shit up. By the way, you know, this is a Star Wars movie, sound design, incredible. And the whole film, every blaster, you know, fire, all the thuds and explosions, just this is what we live for in cinema. Am I right? Yeah. And when they are taking out, they're shooting stormtroopers and they're shooting back at the rebels on the planet. I absolutely love the, we know that familiar sign. We know there's going to be ad-ats in the movie, right? We've right. seen it in the trailers, right. but when you yeah. hear that sound, we're like, oh shit, that's and in it. feels it first. And he's like, base. And he's like, what? Base. What? Run! <laughs> and you see it come out from the smoke like its head. I thought that was awesome the way they reveal it, wasn't it? Like a dinosaur or jaws or something. And it was a number of them. Yeah, and they're all running as they're chasing after him. I thought that was so cool. Well, I love when Beige shoots it, and he thinks he got it. Yeah, it turns its head, and I was like, Zzz, it writes itself. He's like, Holy oh crap. shit! <laughs> see, like. We're screwed. But right then the X-Wings come in and shoot them. And I love that one X-Wing weapon, like, was doing something to the leg, like, disintegrating it or something, Bill. I yeah. Was that, that was the other, yeah. the other, uh. Yeah, there's another ship with a guy on a gunner, gunner. That was the arm. other, uh, the little guy. Yeah. It kind of, yeah, it the, was, uh, that was the guy that, uh, Warwick Davis played. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of like a, I thought it was like an ion cannon kind of a thing, seizing yeah, it up. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Because uh, we'll get to the ion bombs later and then the hammerhead ship, but we'll awesome. get to that in a minute. But <laughs> Which was a reference to uh, Clo um, Star Wars Rebels, right? 
Yes. They basically, we know how there's an episode of Star Wars Rebels where with Princess Leia's help, they actually steal these hammerhead ships that are being decommissioned and given to Princess Leia in the episode. So we know that's how they got the hammerhead ships. And those are from the old Republic era. Those ships, they're ancient, which is awesome. Uh, so it's kind of like they're acknowledging the old Republic in the, uh, the lore also, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also when they're inside the, when, uh, Cashin and Jin are inside the room trying to, they're trying to find the friggin' plans, but they have no idea what they're called. There's, you know, millions of them. Her dad used to call her Stardust, so that's how she discovers uh, the plans, and they're trying to get them. Meanwhile, uh, K2SO is trying to fight off the uh, the, the troops of- that come troops. in. Meanwhile, I got to tell you the truth. I at no point thought about deaths in the film yet. I hadn't no. thought about it. But when K2SO is taking shots, I was like, oh, no, no, no. And then when he falls over... And he, you know, he shuts the power down so they can't get to him in the room or whatever. Uh, well, you kind of think it's a robot. It can be brought back. Well, is there, yeah, he's a, uh, a droid and everything droid. and his lights well. go out and I'm really sad. And he's like, K or whatever. Cause you know, Cashin did care about his friend, but I was thinking, Oh no. What if, and am I, I've had the hint. What if, what if they all die or something mm-hmm. like that? You know, I was like, no, no, no. And so, anyway, put that out of your mind, Jason. Just go back to the movie, you know. And so, uh, all sorts of crazy battles and shit going on. So, when they kill the power, it kills even the power to the little gear that pulls out the plant. Yeah, so they have to break the glass and manually climb up to get the thing. Meanwhile, Krennic has stormed his way down there with his trooper. Oh, I love when he goes, add my men into battle. And all of a sudden, the ship drops off the dark troopers, you know. And they're, uh, I assume what's good about them is they're better shots, right, Bill? I assume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would have to assume that the dark troopers are better shots than stormtroopers. They're, they're maybe not clones. And Chirrut and Bays get pinned down with some other guys. Meanwhile, Bodhi is saying, you know, basically she has to get the plans, go to the tower, broadcast to the ships, but it can't penetrate the shield. So they have to shut the shield down. In order to get the broadcast out for them to upload it, right? But they can get enough signal out through the ship if Bodhi connects up to... Yeah, with this kind of archaic-looking cabling device. Yeah. And a switch. He's busting his ass to get that done. Which I love that they all have their little things they have to do, by the way. And that scene, you know, where he's like, guys, I need your help to do this. And they're like, all right. And they all come out of the ship and they're helping him switch. And you even, you kind of, you don't know who the guys are, but you kind of identify the one guy in the helmet. You've seen him in some scenes. You're like, okay, well, that guy gets killed and another guy. And they're just, you know, kind of remind me of, uh, uh, agent Carter, the, the guys that she fought with the, the, Mm -hmm. what do they call the, the, uh, the howling commandos. Yes. The howling commandos. Yeah, it just kind of made me think of them. Well, I also forgot about the scene where when they start setting off the explosions, all the troopers come running through. They're like, "Guys, troops or stormtroopers!" and they all hide and they all <laughs> run right past them. You know, uh, that scene where Bodhi, you know, he connects the thing and he does it. 
And he's like, guys, you need to flip the switch. The I forget what the thing is, but the main switch is what he called. Yeah, yeah the, the main, main switch. switch. And Charut's like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> what does it look like? I'm blind here. And he tells him, and Baze is like, oh, there, that's it right there, or some other guys. And that's when in their One pin down, comes out, he goes, I've got this. Takes and he two just steps out. Yeah, gets blind. killed. And then Charut's like, we've got to do, you know, I've got to do this, and he does the the, you know. I'm one with the force. The force is with me. He goes, but that's when the, that's when the, uh, the dark troopers show up. That's like the serious shit. And when he goes walking out and, you know, none of the shots are hitting him. So the force is truly with him, and he flips the switch. I thought amazing moment. Totally awesome. But we all know truth's about to die, right? (laughs) Grenade goes off or a shell goes off. Something hits him or explodes and he dies. Uh, Bays runs out to his friend, and he dies in his arms, and then bases. I'm one with the force. The force is with me. And he takes out uh, the dark troopers. And the last trooper he shoots has a grenade in his hand, falls down right beside him, and he's just kind of like, "Okay, this is it." And he dies. He blows up. I was like, "Holy shit! Everybody's dropping like flies." Meanwhile, yeah, on the ship. Meanwhile, Bodhi, he says, "They did it." He sends the signal. They start uploading. Or no, 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 no wait, not yet. Because no. uh, Gina no. tells them that they need the shields down so they can send it. Right. So then send in the hammerhead. But meanwhile, before that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're all over the place. Poor, uh, poor um, Jen and, and Bodie uh, Rook. He's in the ship, and a stormtrooper runs up, throws a grenade, and he just kind of looks. It's like, oh shit! And the whole ship blows up. And it's like, holy shit, now they're right home. Bodhi's dead, and now their ride home is dead, gone. Their ship's yeah. gone. So things aren't looking good, are they? No. Meanwhile, the door opens to that shaft that they're in, and Krennic is there with his two troopers, and they start shooting at them. And then uh Cashin falls with, did he fall to his death, or is he still alive? We don't well, know. Well, he fell no, down no. to, you know, what, maybe 20 feet to that little platform. Yeah. yeah. And she just has to, he even tells her, you keep going. Keep going, and she keeps climbing, and she gets to the top. And, of course, they didn't make it simple at all, did they? That little door that opens the little... Uh, oh, yeah, what was the clamping door, Bill, that... <laughs> Yeah, that reminded me of something out of Galaxy Quest. That's what I was Yeah. <laughs> Who's the asshole does But then she gets up there, she puts the, the hard drive in, and then it's like, oh, the satellite needs to be repositioned. And then she sees the, the I don't even know what those are. They aren't X-Wing, or not X-Wings, but they aren't TIE Fighters. Yeah, I've never some... seen a ship like that before. Yeah. Uh, those are weird. But about the door that went open, shut, open, shut... I was thinking it's malfunctioning. That's what it is, right? Because everything's blowing up around us. I was wondering if it was like a ventilation thing. It's cooling. Yeah, maybe something. It keeps out womp rats or something. (laughs) This is this is the good part. This is the part where we finally get to see the hammerhead in action. Yes. Drop the Zion bomb. By the way, I just want to say this planet, if not for the Imperial presence. Would be a resort. Right. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's gorgeous. Gorgeous water, palm trees, and then the Empire comes in and ruins the planet, right? So the, he's that, I don't know who the, the Calum, what are they called? Monk Calamari, Bill? Yeah. 
who that guy is, but he's like, send in the hammerhead or whatever. And all of a sudden you see the guy's like, Whoa! and he, well, the, what the white wings came in and got, the Oh yeah. Ion. He goes, drop ion bombs. And they go, goo, 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 goo. and so the ions short out their power where they're just sitting dead. And then the hammerhead comes in, rams it, starts pushing it into the other, uh, Star Destroyer. I love how it just sliced the top off of that. Have we yeah. ever seen anything that cool in a Star Wars movie? That scene? No. No. It was just, dude, that is badass. And those ships careen and they collapse on the shield thing. Or, you know, meanwhile, every, the shield they're, barrier. They're totally outnumbered, the other ships and stuff. And I love, like, even the ships that are on the planet flying around, taking out fighters and stuff. Those get start getting shot down. The one lady's like, we're going down. And the guy's like, and they crash too. Like everything's looking dire. And, uh, so Jen's up there. She, she, she has to realign s- the, the dish. Yes. She's got to climb her ass back up onto the platform after getting blasted by a, a tie ship thing. And then Krennic shows up. Yes. And, uh, he's an asshole as we know. And, you know, we all... He's like, who are you? And she is like, like, you know who I am. I'm Galen Urso's daughter. And he's just like, oh, I am like an uncle to you. No, he didn't say that. Wouldn't that have been him if he was all slimy? I'm like your uncle. Jin. I'm your uncle Orson. (laughs) But then Cashin's there to... uh, Not be dead. To shoot him. And... He saves her for a moment, but meanwhile, the Death Star has shown up with, which is funny is because they didn't need to really blast the planet, but he knew that Krennic was on the planet with the plans to the Death Star. And by the way, aren't there a lot of important Imperial plans on this planet? Yeah. Apparently? I would have to assume so, yes. So, uh, Tarkin is basically taking out all of their shit just to get rid of Krennic. He, didn't you feel like he just wanted to kill Krennic and that's why he did this? Absolutely. Just, you know, he's basically... The plans, the plans were all... They, they know the plans were already communicated off planet. Yeah, but he did it anyway. How great is that scene where Krennic isn't fully dead and he looks up and he sees in the horizon the Death Star like pointed right at him? <laughs> yep. And not only does the Death Star fire... it. It fires far away, but it still passes right through the tower, blows off the top of it. <sighs> that shit was awesome. And there was a very, um, you know, emotional elevator ride down for Cashin and uh, Jin. And at this point, I'm thinking, okay. They don't K2, know that this has happened. The K- bomb. The- well, K2SO uploaded his his intelligence into another droid he's gonna find a ship swoop down and pick him up something like that i'm waiting yeah. for that shit doesn't happen doesn't happen and even that mon cal says may the force be with you rogue one because you guys are dead <laughs> yeah. yeah he's basically saying a prayer for them isn't he yeah. isn't may the force be with you like saying a prayer bill and he basically says that for the people who just gave up their lives to send us this information uh very like i i was the first time i saw this i got very emotional over this like shaken up like holy shit everyone just died and you know you see the whole planet getting destroyed everybody on the surface of the planet 
Meanwhile, basically dead. If if not, going to be dead soon. Someone says to Tarkin, like, "Sir, uh, the rebels are still. You know, we've taken them uh, out on the planet, but they're still. You know." Outside the planet. This was like before the he blew it up. Oh, he said, sir, yeah. the rebel ships are starting to escape. And he goes, don't worry, Lord Vader will handle them or something like that. And it's like, oh, shit. And I love all of the rebel. Sh- oh, by the way, we get to see a cool loading screen where the guy's like, come on. And the, the plans are loading. Yeah. And we get to see the same uh, Death Star plans we've seen in A New Hope on the screen. The animatic, animatic type of thing. And... When you see that shit upload and he puts it on a disc or whatever, everybody starts escaping, right? And right when some ships are jumping to light speed, they crash right into the just arriving uh, Darth Vader on his Star Destroyer. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen shit like that before in a Star Wars movie, but that was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh... They, they're like, sir, the capital ship is stranded or something. Like, was that the one the Mon Calamari was head of? Yeah, I believe so. Their ship was trapped. You know, they couldn't move. It's a trap! You know, they were stuck. But how are you feeling at this point, Bill, the first time you see it, after you see all of our heroes uh, die? I was just kind of blown away. And I loved that the scene on the beach with uh, Cassian and Jin they didn't go the cliched kissing route. Yeah. Like they just shared that moment, like that they both fulfilled a part of their greater destinies and just hugged it out before the, they did their blast wave took them. I was like, holy shit. And you know what? Remember what I said about having a CGI Tarkin in the film ballsy, that shit was ballsy too. This is a new kind of Star Wars film we've never seen before where all the yep. heroes die. They made this sacrifice to just this little bit of hope that they could destroy this battleship basically. And then Darth Vader arrives. How great is it? The guy grabs a disc. He runs to the door won't open all the way. He's like, Hey, Hey, all and of a sudden, but it's just. <laughs> I think that the thing that sets that scene up so well, though, is that there's like 30 seconds of darkness and just that klaxon alarm. Yeah. And you're just waiting. You're like, okay. Here. Is this, is it, is it kind of, okay, I'll just say it. You know, you, he goes through those guys. Is it reminiscent of Kylo Ren being just crazy? You know, Mm -hmm. cause he just, just goes about. Madness. What I like about that scene is it's like turns into a horror movie. Right. Yeah, it does. It turns into a horror movie. Basically, the, they hear Darth Vader breathing and then he goes, ignites his saber and you see the guy like his eyes like, whoa. And then he's like, wait, I've got a gun. And he's like, and you see Darth Vader deflecting the bolts. One of the things that like made my jaw drop was there's one guy that he pins to the ceiling right. of the corridor. Yes. And as he, he walks past him, drops him, sticks his lightsaber behind him, and cuts him in half. Cuts him in half. As he's falling, he has the guy fall on the blade. He's just toying with these guys. They yeah. No threat to him at all. And I love he's like ripple holding their weapons on him. He's slashing them down. And the guy, I love the guy who goes, help us. You know, like we're getting slaughtered in here. He's just like, just take it. 
He gr- hands the disc to a guy. That guy starts to run. Meanwhile, that guy gets skewered through the door with yeah. the saber. Then the door opens. Darth Vader's in the next room. And that does that guy fall down and somebody else he, picks he it up? He falls down. Yeah. Oh, tripping over a, like a door hat. <laughs> yeah. They're all and like, he's, Darth Vader's cutting them to ribbons. When they find, the last guy gets the plans, he hops on the Tantive Four, you know, the, yep. uh, uh, the Corellian Corvette. What do you call it, Bill? I always called it the Tantive Four. Yeah, it's basically Prince's Leia's ship, you know, at the beginning of A New Hope. He hops on there and he's like, goes in the room, white robe, it's Prince's Leia. Meanwhile, at, they make a jump to light speed or whatever. And Darth Vader's standing there. It almost looks like he's out in space, doesn't it? But he's on the docking part, isn't he? Right. Yeah. I thought that shit was, you know, it's, and we get to hear the dun, 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 dun. And he's just like, uh, I'll catch up to him in a bit. Meanwhile, I forgot to say, uh, we get to see Bale Organa, you know, uh, Jimmy Smits in the. Yeah, multiple times. Yeah. And the scene on uh, where they're all disagreeing about helping. And he's kind of walking away and he's like, well, I got to get back to Alderaan. And I was like, dude, don't go to Alderaan. Bad idea. But she, uh, Mon Mothma's like, what about your Jedi friend? And he's like, uh, he served me well. And it's like, holy shit, they're talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. At first I thought maybe he was talking about Yoda because he helped Yoda escape. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no, it's not Yoda. It's old Ben Kenobi. And, you know, what's funny is I never thought about that before. In the beginning of A New Hope, their ship just happens to be over Tatooine as the Star Destroyer is, uh, you know, shooting at them and takes them. But, you know, so this, everybody knows. Scarif to Tatooine to re- in reality, Leia was there to deliver, to, to get Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Right. She yeah. was there. She was going to Tatooine in the first place. And they somehow catch up with her. They probably honed in on something. I don't know. Remember, How, she's force sensitive too. So, may, well, he doesn't know that at this point. But okay, let me but ask you this: He doesn't know who, but he feels it. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I'm thinking tracking device or something like that. Maybe but now, or you know, the rebel ship they just captured was in communication with that ship. Maybe something there. I don't know. It's yeah, it does semantics. But anyway. When you see Princess Leia in the robe or whatever, I was like, dude, that's awesome. And then they show her. We know it's a CGI Leia, right? Yeah. But it was, I mean, it was well done. It wasn't, I knew why it wasn't as good as Tarkin. No, it wasn't, but it didn't bother me. I knew though, when it happened, I knew when I saw Tarkin and I thought it was ballsy, I knew people would complain about it online. I just right. knew about it. People are, people get pulled out. Some people are like, you know, I really liked Rogue One, but I just can't get past that CGI Leia scene. It's like, yes, you can. It's not that yeah, big a deal. Yeah, exactly. And the guy's like, uh, maybe this can help us. What is it? You know, and she says something like, hope. Hope. And it's, dun, 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 dun. and I told you later that after I'd seen the movie twice, I almost wanted them to do like the guns of Navarone where they show the whole cast again. Like yeah. character sheet, you know, just show images of them over the credits or something like they do war movies. Right. I kind of. Yeah, they didn't that. have an opening crawl. So why not 
you know, make it a little bit more. Yeah, I say don't even do the Star Wars end credits like they normally do, which I was surprised when they did. I was like, I wanted something different. Show yeah. the entire cast, you know, with the yeah. Rogue One music by Michael G. Kino, not the main theme. But maybe yeah. they're like, no, no, we got to end all Star Wars movies the same thing. I mean, it's like, it's not really a nitpick. It's just that would have been cool. Like, you ch- did so many things different. Do that different, too. You know what I'm saying? Right. You're um, not sticking to form now. Why stick to it at the end? Yes. Okay. When we first came out of theater, I was like, that was awesome. We went to dinner. And I was sitting there. And we're all kind of like, you know, you're kind of in, you're uh, shell-shocked from a movie that's so loud and bombastic and everything. Your hearing's kind of going or whatever. And we're eating. And I was kind of like to Heather, I was like, I'm really kind of bummed out. She's like, what do you mean? I go, well, it's like everybody died. Wow. That, man, that was like, that was really sad. And we were talking about, yeah, that was sad. That was, and Emma was like. Yeah, I was like, oh, come on, movie, don't do this to me. And I, and she was really bummed out when K2SO died. She was <laughs> like, he was my friend. And I, was, and I was like, I know. And I was really bummed out. But then I started thinking, how great is it that they're, those people made it possible for them to destroy the Death Star. So I was thinking, like, the way it ends, you could start up A New Hope immediately, Bill. And it's yeah. like, and... Cut. Cut to, you know, here's part two, and they just escaped on the Tana 4, and now here they are arriving at Tatooine, their ship is jacked, the Star Destroyer is right on their ass, and here's Darth Vader again. And I was like, when Darth Vader arrives in A New Hope, and it's like, oh my god, he's gonna dice through them all, but it's like, no, let's just... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and when he shows up, and he's like, where are the stolen plans, and... uh when Princess Leia is like, we're on a diplomatic, he's like, cut the shit! We just were at that other yeah, planet! Yeah, we just followed you! Yeah, you are lying to me, chick! You know, that's what I think is funny, but it changed, it makes Star Wars even better, I think, because it shows you the serious shit they went through to get the Death Star plans. I'm waiting for Rogue Two, all about Bothans, before Return of the Jedi, Bill. <laughs> Many Bothans died. Yeah, we already know. Hey, they're all going to die, man, but it's going to be a cool movie, you know. Okay. After we ate, I was like, okay, I got to go to theater and meet Steven. So I go there. All of the stuff in my head that was going around my head, totally calm. Watch the whole movie with you. I thought it was even better the second time. I was relaxed, soaking it all in, admiring the camera work and all that. And the score was even better to me. You know, the first time I was very distracted by it, not being John Williams, didn't give a shit about that anymore. I was thinking of how effective Giacchino's score was with what was going on, especially when they get to Seraph, the music just explodes. Like it's fantastic in that. Um, There's this theme that plays like when Galen Erso dies, that's really uh, beautiful too. It, it almost kind of reminded me of the Padme and Anakin theme, but it wasn't quite. It almost like sounds like it and then changes or whatever. But I, the film after the second time, I even said to you, I go, after the second time I saw it, Bill, the first thing I thought was best stage action in any Star Wars movie to date, first of all. Oh, absolutely. Second of all, even better than the first time. Third when can I see this again? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. that 
but I love the way all the story happens. And then the Darth Vader scene is like, Hey, why don't we throw a scene in where Darth Vader's cutting rebels to ribbons? It's like, I like it. Let's do it. Yeah. And it just, when the movie ends, you're just like, Holy shit. By the way, I got to say this though. I didn't know that Darth Vader scene was going to happen when we were in line before the movie. I could hear a lightsaber ignited through the door. I didn't know what was going on, but I heard a, and I was like, wait, I thought there were no lightsabers in the movie. And I started thinking, I go, don't think about it, Jason. Uh, Don't think about it. it. Ignore it. Cause you know, it's like, wait, Jin's a Jedi. I knew it. She's going to ignite her lightsaber at the end. You know, something like that. It's like, no, just stop. By the way, I was, I wasn't like, remember how I was went, uh, Twitter dark, Facebook dark before the force awakens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you know, you would see somebody say, just got out of force awakens. Here's what I, and it's like, Fuck you, <laughs> Sorry. I don't care about your, what you thought. Don't want to know. I see people saying rogue one. Yeah. It, it starts out. Okay. But so, and I'm like, don't want to, you know, I don't want to hear your stupid thoughts on it. I was immediately casting it out. But then after the movie, Bill, I know I can read Drew McWeeny's thoughts on it now. You know, I can finally <laughs> read some reviews. And by the way, it's very favorably reviewed. Am I right? Yeah. Even people who say, who had a problem with CGI Grand Moff Tarkin say, I love the film except for that. You know, uh, I have read some people shit on the whole thing, but I just think they have a problem with it. Here's my thing. I think I've read some people's thoughts on this movie. Their problem with it, they don't say it outright, but I know what their problem is. They're so bummed out that everyone dies that they hate the movie. Right. Kind of well, like the, the first time I saw the movie Glory with Denzel Washington and Matthew Broderick, that movie bummed me out so bad when it was over that I hated it. And it wasn't until later on when I saw it again, I was like, this is the way it had to happen, right? This is, I can understand. Well, this again, is- we discussed this too, where in Star Wars, it's like, Princess Leia came with a plan. She's like, a lot of people died to get these. Yeah. You know, this is some serious shit, yeah. you know? So, I mean, I think it makes it technically more, you knew ahead of time. Does it make it more powerful that they died? I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. If all of a sudden, you know, Jin and Cashin survived with K2SO, like, where are they the rest of the trilogy? Yeah. Oh, where are they, they? They all had to die because they, none of them were a part of the rest of the films. And I love the fact that we can look back on the rebellion. You know, we, we know now that they did some hardcore shit to, and if you watch a new hope, the very beginning, the rebels after their first major victory, rogue one is their first major victory on the empire. When the fact that they got those plans off that planet is their first major victory. They were doing piddly shit before this, weren't they? they? Doing little gorilla attacks. Yeah, they were causing a little bit of problems, but that was motivating the Empire more to finish the Death Stars so they could, you know, their iron grip, you know. I, when you think about that, it makes it even, uh, more gravitas. And I love these characters. I've read some people say shit like, well, I don't even know who these characters are. I don't remember their names. Well, I do. I saw it yeah. twice. I know who Chirrut is and Baze and Bodie Rook and Cash and Andor, which is the best name there. I think that's a badass name, <laughs> Cash and Andor. Uh, I just, I loved it, Bill. Yeah, I, I loved I it really too. Did. Uh, I, 
unabashedly loved Rogue One, a Star Wars story. How do you guys feel? It was yeah. awesome. It was a great film. Yeah, it's a fantastic Star Wars film. Well, I you know it it made me think of um. There's a a writer for the expanded universe named Karen Travis, and she would write these kind of stories. These like uh, ragtag groups that would have to go in and complete an, an impossible mission. And that's really is probably the most Karen Travers film uh, Star Wars story I've seen on film. Oh, and I can't believe I forgot to say this. The they brought back actors from A New Hope. The, uh, red, uh, you know, the different pilots of the X-Wings that are in yeah. Star, apparently Gareth Edwards, you know, they found him some unused footage, pilot scenes with dialogue, and they put it in the movie because naturally they would still be pilots for the rebellion, you know, cause. Right. Sure. How cool was that? Cause red, I was telling you, still I was like, leader. where's Porkins? But I guess they didn't have additional footage of Porkins. That's why they didn't have Porkins in there, but. I love that. I know it's fan service or whatever you call it, but didn't you get giddy when you saw that? Yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> it was freaking awesome. And here's the true test of a Star Wars well, and film. I didn't, I didn't even realize that Karen Travis wrote that one book I mentioned about Boba Fett and uh, Han Solo uh, looking to assassinate Thrak and Sal Solo. So, nice. yeah, I mean. I, I, if you're a fan of the Star Wars, I guess now they're called the Legacy series of books since they're not uh, canon. Right. But uh, Karen Travis's uh, Republic Commando books and uh, her Clone Wars book and Bloodlines and just she's really great. That's awesome. Whenever I see a film like this and it gets me excited, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to read some of the books. <laughs> you know. <laughs> now, Bill. We've said what we thought of the film. I think we were kind of just giddily excited, but that's what we do. We're not reviewing the film. We're just saying what we liked about it, right? Yeah. Uh, let's hear what Adam Sexton has to say about it, and I can rest my vocal cords. Oh, and Bill, yeah, listen along, Bill, okay? <laughs> okay. okay. Hello, ETL crew. Hello, PCZ Steven. Hello, Bill, man-assed muscle beast of Ohio. And last but not least, really hello, Peter this. Dickhead. And hello to fellow listeners, fans, and patrons. This is Adam Sexton, leaving some voicemail for tonight's episode. <laughs> Steven, you gave it the weirdest look. Peter Dickhead? That's a reference to the uh, the uh, special I did for patrons. <laughs> There's a, I, we're doing, Vanessa and I are doing different characters. My oh. character at one point is, I was like, I'm Peter Dickhead. Head. I was like, wow, really clever, 13-year-old Jason. But okay, here we go. So let's get to it. I saw Rogue One last weekend with my brother and sister-in-law for free at 9.30 in the morning on a Saturday. Wow. thought that was weird, but uh, it, and it was in the wake of an impending snowstorm for the local area. But it was so worth it. I, uh, I dug this film, and my brother and I had a few minutes to geek out about the film before leaving to attend other responsibilities before the bad weather hit. I love the narrative approach of Rogue One, for starters, where it doesn't follow the mythological hero's journey vibe of the main series and focuses on, you know, the grunts, the overlooked uh, agents in the conflict. And at times it does feel like we're watching like a World War II film about a 
Dutch or French resistance fighting the Nazis, which I think is cool. I always love those movies. And because it focuses on people that are not Force-sensitive or heavily supported by the rebellion, the stakes are higher, and it feels more dire, but there's still plenty of humor. The characters are well-defined despite the short time we have with them, and the idea of hope is solid as a rock. I love the idea that the Death Star weakness was not a design oversight or a matter of hubris on the Empire's part, but an intentional an intentional flaw to exploit. I love that the Imperial troops seem more intimidating and efficient than usual. And I really love, we all love, how Darth Vader is just plain scary again in a way that he hasn't been in a long time as far as the movies go. Uh, that third act uh, sequence with him and the Rebellion soldiers in that little corridor is just straight out of a horror film. The last 30 minutes were super intense. And I was engaged with how it was going to unravel even when I knew the outcome. I love seeing some of the pilots from uh, A New Hope in the final battle. Although somehow Porkins didn't make the cut. <laughs> Who knows what happened there. Uh, and that last shot uh, just, just made me smile. Uh, speaking of that, I've heard and read complaints about some of the CG stuff, like the CG Peter Cushing. But I thought it was just truly well done. I, I didn't even think about the CG. And I just accepted it as, you know, Peter Cushing. We got, like, uh, forgotten performance from Peter Cushing. And as for the detractors tr- of it, well, I, I don't know what to tell them aside from just use your imagination and fill in the blanks the way that audiences have done with special effects for decades. You know, just because you can see the seams doesn't mean it can't work. Uh, I spoke earlier about the message of hope, and I just want to say this as we near the end of just one of the shittiest years on record. Rogue One reminds me, and I think it reminds a lot of people, that even when uh, tyranny and oppression seem victorious, there are still so many people that care, that, that give a damn, that work to make things better for all of us, and people continue to sacrifice so much uh, that I still have faith in individuals. And while history may forget the members of Rogue One, their successes and their sacrifices made the future possible. So uh, all in all, it's a solid film that can stand on its own, but also belongs in the franchise. And it's one that I'll want to revisit before it leaves theaters. And also uh, Donnie Yen rules. In case no one knew about that. Uh, that's all for now. But before I go, I want to wish all of you, the host, the listeners in the chat room, and those who are listening when this is released, I want to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Please stay safe. Please stay warm. I hope you enjoy your time with your family and friends. And this podcast was just one of the handful of retreats that made this year tolerable. And I look forward to spending next year and many more years with Entertainment Landfill. So, cheeky leader, bye. Thank you, Adam. Well said, sir. Well said. And, uh, yes, I, I concur with everything you said. Yes, I follow that sentiment. Thank you very much, Adam. And, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you, loyal well listener said. and patron. Um, did you get to hear that, Bill? I did. I brought up the, the, uh, the, the Mixler feed. Nice. We're going to have to figure that out. Yep. Uh, but uh, 
Any final thoughts on Rogue One, Bill? Will this be a film you'll watch over and over again? I honestly think it's a film I would watch more than The Force Awakens. Yeah, you know what's funny is, actually, I've been watching The Force Awakens a lot because it's on stars. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? This film holds up. But, you know, I actually, I actually watched it once when I got it on Blu-ray, but I'm watching it more on stars than anything. And it's still a fun film that I don't mind watching again and makes me excited about the next chapter. But yeah, this, like I said before, this film has the best action I've seen in any Star Wars film. Uh, Let's face it, Force Awakens, it's, uh, it looks like it's more family friendly and more intended to be. Oh, definitely. This looks like more like they intended to do a war film and war is hell and they're trying to depict it. And hell, I could even have done something more saving private Ryan-ish with uh in you know, gun placements just mowing down rebels as they're storming in or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But I loved what I saw and I want to see more shit like that. I had you know, Gareth Edwards, I you know, I thought Godzilla was fun. It's way too long, but uh I think he's a solid director but now he's definitely on my radar after this i have a ton of respect for him and what he pulled off and uh that makes me excited what about you yeah great job i again this movie will be i've seen it twice and i'd like to see it again in a theater i was telling bill i want to see it in imax and then i want to see it in dolby vision hdr like i want to see it in each format (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the only IMAX I know is like over in Dallas. This one here at AMC that we saw Warcraft in. Again. Where we hate the glasses yeah. and the chairs and stuff. Uh, Bill, we've, I've talked about it many yes. times on the show. You and I found each other over our love of Star Wars, playing Star we Wars did. Galaxies. And uh, Star Wars brought us together, and I love talking Star Wars with you. It's exciting. Yeah. And it's it's so exciting that we are now in an era where we're getting more. I know. Like we we always had dreams whenever we would play Star Wars Galaxies about the possibilities of the universe, and we would just kind of have these little stories in our head or create stories for our characters. I know. And to finally have this is kind of amazing. I so want. I know this is kind of, it'll be a huge budget or whatever, but they need a Star Wars TV show also, live action, and just spend millions of dollars on it, you know? Yeah. You know, if they, you know, just some kind of cool show, maybe like 10 episodes a season, but there's going to be something like that eventually, don't you think? I would hope so. Also, um, Saw Guerrero will show up on Star Wars Rebels. They showed. I want to see Trout and Baze show up on Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> that They're would be amazing. Version. That's going to be fun. But all right, guys. Thank you. Dinner was full. Thank you. Good night. Here all week, try the veal and Galaxy far, far away. Don't drop that! Ah! 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 Mm.
<laughs> I love that Tom Cruise. <laughs> well, guys, that was episode 30 of ETL News. Let's just call it that. This is the ETL News episode 30 Star Wars holiday extravaganza, Bill, or something like that. I don't think I could make the title that long, though. But uh... <laughs> You're not allowed? There's, there's a character limit? There might be. I've never tried it. Hey, I'll just do one as long as possible. What is it called? The Star Wars Holiday Special, Bill? Yeah. The Rogue One Holiday Special. There you go. Because let's face it, that Star Wars was awesome, right? Watch and find out. Oh, yes, we will watch and find out. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Adam Sexton for being in the chat room the whole time. We also had Ken in there and Brandon and anybody else. But guys, thank you so much for listening. I want to thank all the patrons. And, you know, this is the holiday season. You know, we got Christmas, we got New Year's coming up, and that's pretty much it. I wish we had some more traditions on the show, Stephen. I wish we did. <laughs> you know what's funny? Stephen's like, what? Oh, holy night. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm just, just like, it's coming up, Stephen. Come on. Mm-hmm. I know what Bill feels like when I say, oh, holy night. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy, oh, holy shit. Oh, man. I'm glad that Skype is working so that I can't hear it. <laughs> no! Damn it! It's a tradition, Bill. You got to listen on the feed. I'll I'll bring up the feed. Bill, oh, holy night. It's a tradition. All right. I got it. It feeds feeds up. Now I'm I'm hearing myself echo. No, I'm setting it up, Bill. Oh, Oh, holy night. It's a tradition on the show. I don't know how many years we've been doing this. It's been a long time, hasn't it? Yes. The worst rendition of it possible. I don't know if the guy's doing it on purpose, if he thinks he's a good singer or what. Just passion. I think it's been I think it's been proven that he was exaggerating. On purpose but making it sound it's horrible. still wonderful. It is. So let's let's get into this and ruin our night, okay? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Sure was full. Oh, holy the night. Stars are brightly shining. You know, I was telling Stephen that when people sing this really good, it's a beautiful song. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. When it's done really well, it's it's powerful. And this guy ruins the world in sin and. Till he appeared and the soul felt it's what yeah. a thrill of hope the weary world rejoicing for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Oh, on your knees. I'm trying to think. Oh, he 
part that really hurts. Exactly. <laughs> By the way, I just thought of something. Bill, are you back? Yeah. Is the Wilhelm scream in Rogue One? I didn't notice. I didn't notice either. The Wilhelm scream's in every Star Wars film, right? Pretty much? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. It's definitely way over... You know, It's in every prequel <clears throat> for sure, but... Maybe... Gareth Edwards was just like, no, let's uh, not. I'm not no, I'm going to put this in there instead. Ah! <laughs> the, I'm going to put the Tom Cruise mummy <laughs> scream in there. <laughs> I love that scream. I want it to replace the Wilhelm scream. The Wilhelm it needs to. The Wilhelm has served its time. We need a new one. guys that was a holy night uh steven bill thank you so much for being here and being my friends we could talk about star wars and do this podcast you know how excited i was that i get to see a star wars film and then we get to do a podcast talking about it <laughs> yeah. everybody here's my review here's my review here's my podcast here's my youtube video here's what i thought and i'm like screw what you've thought i want to do what i thought about it <laughs> And I was just like, come on, when do I get to say, and I thought it was awesome. There, it was easy. Wasn't that easy? I, well, this could have been a much shorter easy. show. Five easy seconds. Peasy. So many awesome things. Yep. Radical. That's right. Well, guys, thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Star Wars. Am I right, Steven? Yes. How Happy great is that? Day. Happy Life Day. Happy Life Day. Don't forget, guys, this episode was... Sponsored by Dolly Madison. That's right. Don't you guys love Dolly Madison snack cakes? They're yes. the best. Zingers. What else was there? I All I can remember I is... I wasn't zing- a big Zinger fan. You didn't like I was Zingers? A, I'm still a Zinger fan. I love Zingers. There was something else. Doug Vader? And I can't remember. Did they have apple pies? I or think a, they had the apple and cherry pies. Yeah, Dolly Madison apple pie. The, and the, the, the chocolate pies. There was Hostess, but there was also Dolly Madison. Maybe it was Madison. a Zingers. I, like, I didn't like their knockoff of the chocolate one because it had a weird funky taste or something. 
they might now. Well, I don't know. Maybe they did. But, uh, you know, a kid, I wasn't very discerning. But here's the way I ate a zinger. Turn it upside down where the chocolate touches my tongue. That's how it No, I was the raspberry coconut zinger. Uh, well, there was the, um, yeah, what were those called? There was a name for them. They were like some Zingers? snowballs. 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 No, snowballs were, uh, coconut with, uh, oh. marshmallow with chocolate and ah! like cream filling. Oh. No, these are, these are, Zingers of the raspberry with coconut and vanilla cream filling. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that kid at that age, I wasn't really like a big coconut <clears throat> kid. Yeah, I liked it later on, like as an adult more. But uh, I would take the coconut out of the fridge and put it in my bottom lip, like my dad and his snuff. Oh my god. <laughs> That's hilarious. You were like made your own kind of yeah. snuff. I, I would walk around with a, a with a dip coconut of coconut dip. in my bottom lip. Dinner was full. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Did you when Big League Chew came out? Did you like that? Oh hell yeah. We're in the big league. Remember they also had the grape Big League Chew. They would lose its flavor about. Five minutes after you stuck it in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, listening to the show. Thank you for supporting Entertainment Landfill. We'll be back in the new year. Meanwhile, let's go see Rogue One again, right? Yes. Ho- yes. Hopefully you all get good stuff for Christmas. Books, video games, movies, Blu-rays, whatever, what have you. But, Bill, when you said 4K version of Star Wars, that's like, I can't wait. How? Yeah. The fact that we can watch those films over and over again and never get tired of them, how... I was telling Heather, I just wanted to say this one thing. If I was going to be a director and make films, if I didn't make a film that someone would watch a hundred times, I would feel like failed... Failed as a filmmaker. There's so many films that they make this day and age that are one and done. Yeah. Like nobody even cares about them. They just crank them out. They're gone. Do you care whatever. About the first Fast and Furious. No, I'm not going to rewatch that. I'm not going to rewatch the last one. But but the... you'll rewatch Aliens. I didn't even Jaws, watch the last one. Star Wars. No, the one with Paul Walker dies. Or I, mean, I didn't. I didn't watch that one. You didn't see the end where he's a CGI Paul. Walker? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nope. Once he died, I, I disowned that series. Radical! <laughs> it is pretty sad. Oh, Bill. <laughs> Rhoda will not be presented this evening. No, did I watch that? I think you did. You watched Jason okay. Statham's the bad guy. By the way, Jason Oh, yeah, I did is... watch that. Jason oh, God, Statham I was trying to forget it. Yeah, you remember? Because I, I, I kept making fun of how long the air, the, the chase scene in the, on the airline. No, on the that's the, the previous one. Was that the, that's the, <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was the one the, before. This was the, the last one was the one with the vaults <laughs> the vault. <laughs> okay. in Miami. Yeah. No, that's the fifth one. <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise is going the, nuts listening. The last one was the one where he crashed a tank and then flew across the sky and landed on a car. Stay, uh, before we go, Letty. I want to know who you guys, who's your favorite Star Wars character, Stephen? Doug Vader. 
I do love Doug Vader. <laughs> Doug Vader. <laughs> Han Solo? Gotta love Han, yeah. Probably. But just all the side characters, he's like Boba Fett, because he's so cool. You know, they tried to ruin Boba Fett by, hey, he's in A New Hope in the background. It's like, no, he's not. Stop. But I really think uh, if they did a, yeah, they could they could fix Boba Fett in a new movie, an anthology movie. I just wanted to see Max Rebo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Or Salacious B. Crumb. I, I wasn't. I think, you know what's funny is we were watching, we were watching it the other night and whenever they finally get on the, um, the, uh, sand people's, the sand what do they crawler? call that? Sand crawler. The, uh, the crawler, the trawler, the sand crawler, the sand crawler, the sand crawler. <laughs> and there was the, uh, the gonk droid. Yeah, gonk, Natalie gonk, was gonk. like, "Is that a garbage can?" And I was like, "No, it's the gonk droid." It just goes gonk. You know gonk. what's so funny is because Heather she went down a Star Wars rabbit hole after Rogue One. She's like, "I want to watch all the movies," so she watched the despecialized, uh, you know, you know, uh, Hope, Empire, and then Jedi. And afterwards, you know, TNT was showing all the movies again. But they were the specialized version because right. that's the only kind they have. And they were the specialized, the latest ones, like with the rocks in the way of R2 and stuff. Yeah. And uh, the one that bothers me the most is the crate Dragon sound. I don't know why they change it. But anyway, Heather was like, this is still entertaining. I don't understand why you make a big deal out of this. And I'm like, because it's upsetting something you remember from your childhood that you loved is all of a sudden different. And there's no reason for it to be different. Like, why the stormtroopers now have the voice of friggin' Jingo Fett? Hell no. I don't do that. And she's like, uh, I don't understand what the big deal is. Then the end of Return of the Jedi happens, and there's Hayden Christensen yeah. at the end. And she goes, oh, my God, that's so stupid. Why did they do that? And I go, well, now you understand, don't you? <laughs> yeah. That's all it takes. That friggin' Hayden Christensen at the end. Okay, Obi-Wan Kenobi dies. As Alec Guinness, and then as a Force Ghost, he's Alec Guinness. Why would Darth Vader Olsen be young Hayden Christensen? It makes no sense. It's stupid. And I've heard people go, well, actually, he's Anakin when he's younger, and then he's he changes to Darth Vader. Dar- it's like, Darth no. Just a persona. It's because it's stupid. There's nothing bigger than Star Wars. <laughs> But I thought it was funny that she was like, didn't understand, but then she was like, okay, I understand. Okay, now I get it. Now. I get it. <laughs> All right, guys, that was our show. See you guys next year. Merry Christmas, Stephen. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas Phil. Phil. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Bye, guys. What was that, Stephen? You can I was talk. I say, Merry Christmas to everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I'm hoping to get a K2SO figure, Bill. Tell me you don't what? want one. You want a K2SO? I can't, you're breaking up. <laughs> Do you want a K2SO figure? Yes. Hell yeah! Bye, guys. I'm going to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters.
sponsored by Dolly Madison. Now this is podcasting. Okay, guys, that's the show. I'm gonna go journal in my book of hills. Merry Christmas and may the Force be with you. The Jedi are all but extinct. The Republic has fallen and in their wake. The Galactic Empire has engulfed the far reaches of the galaxy in fear. Persecuted members of the Old Republic have been thrust into hiding. Only members of the Rebel Alliance dare take a stand against the ruthless Imperial forces. Deep in the Outer Rim territories. The dastardly director Krennic has discovered the location of a long-lost friend, one capable of completing the Empire's most powerful weapon yet. I could come up with a better crawl than this. Yeah, no shit. But uh, that was the Book of Wills, TRS-80, not Hills. Totally botched it. the H out of there, even though it's spelled correctly. Totally botched it. Really bummed me out. The Book of the Hills. The Book of the Hills. Journal of Wills. Come on. Journal of Wills. There you go. So disappointing. Bill, I forgot to do the story about the people coming up with their own opening crawl. Oh, my God. (laughs) And that was one of them. And no, they're not any good. No, they're not. I I watched a bunch of them. How many people are coming up with them? Do you remember? I watched three of them. Did you look? At, did you ever see the crawl where you create your own, or it was you create your own, or whatever? The reason why a crawl doesn't work, and I'll tell you exactly why it doesn't work, and this is probably why they didn't do one, is because the movie starts off in the past. Yeah. So if you start an opening crawl and it opens in the past, and then it goes to the present, it's just like, wait, do we make the opening crawl like when the flashback happens or do we make it later well what if we just start with this beginning part and then cut to the crawl there's no way to, uh let's just not do it i have a feeling yeah, they yeah. did something like that by having that scene in the past it kind of throws off a crawl i think it does all right guys <laughs> later let's end the show right. that's a special bonus if people listen to the very end Boring conversation anyway 